Welcome to Rushcast. My name's Jay Mantis. Thank you very much for listening to our show and downloading or streaming or however you are listening. We're glad to have you here. In this week's installment of the 2016 album series, No Album Left Behind, we are talking about 2002's return to original Rush material, Vapor Trails, an album that has climbed the ranks slowly but surely from the bottom of my ranking to very, very close to the top uh, in, a very, again, a very slow fashion. So I'm excited to talk about Vapor Trails for the duration of this episode. And something a little bit new today, for uh, kind of a first for Rushcast, is I have a guest that is not related to me <laughs> that is going to be on, uh, on the show in studio so please welcome Matthew Snyder, Matt Snyder. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. You told me Matt initially, and I lost it already. <laughs> um, I should say, I, I think I had correspondent Chad Whitco in studio at one point, oh, but this will be the first time, I think, that I, had a, I have a fan, somebody who just listens to the show who wanted yes. to come on uh, in person. So this will be a lot of fun. Uh, Vapor Trails is a big album for you. Is it, is it near the top for you as well? It is near the very top. I, I consider it up there with, um, with 2112 and with moving pictures. And I think this is at that level of being both musically great and also like a, a definitive kind of record for the band on a certain level that defining where they were and what they could be, what they were capable of that time and push them in a different direction and so forth. Totally. Um, I want to say now that we'll, I've gotten some questions like, are you going to do the original on this episode or will it be the remix on this episode? We're going to talk about both. Yes. I think we should take the next you know, five minutes and just talk about the similarities and differences in general between the two albums as a whole. Yes. As, or as holes. And um, then we'll get into the track by track analysis. And we, again, we can go back and forth like, hey, on Ceiling Unlimited on this version, then this happens and on that version, it doesn't, and yeah, yeah, yeah. et cetera. But I think we should just talk right now in general because I've done, I think I've done two whole episodes about the remix <laughs> yes. versus the original. So we won't spend a ton of time on it. 
if you are unfamiliar, I did a whole episode, um, like a 45-minute interview with David Botrell, who is the producer responsible for remixing Vapor Trails. Yes, I feel very silly for having missed that. I, yeah, I didn't, you, I didn't know that until tonight. Like I, I had heard the other one. You heard not, the other one with yes. um, with one of my friends. Yeah, where we just talked about it as fans. But then we did an interview, and so any questions you may have or anything you think we might skip regarding the remix, you could probably find on that episode. And it's a really, really um, informative interview. Uh, David was really, really nice. Uh, he was nice enough to come on the show and he, and he gave us some good info. <laughs> so in general, here, here's my take on it, Matt. Um, maybe subtracting like one or two tracks, the remix is, is a better piece of music in my opinion. Um, it's just easier to listen to first and foremost for me. I mean that you can actually put it on and not have to turn it off every now and then to take a break, which is the thing that I always found with the album when it first came, when it was for all those years, when it was, was all that we had, you know, mm-hmm. it's, that's really what it comes down to. I, I was able to hear through, through the garbage and hear music there, but I understood why a lot of fans uh, had a problem with it just because it, it, it could be difficult to hear the good music through all that. And part of it was like you knew there was good stuff happening in there. Yes. You knew there were good bass lines. You knew there were cool guitar licks. Uh, I know a lot of people point to the drumming specifically as a travesty. In I terms think the of whole mixing. thing was a travesty. I mean, the fact that you couldn't even hear that there was a, a acoustic guitar on a lot of it mm-hmm. was a travesty. It was a travesty that you couldn't hear the the variety, the huge variety of texture. You heard some of it of textures of, of Alex's um, work that he was doing. Only some of that came through. So. I think it really the, the difference for me is it's just much easier to listen to. You can, it's much more clear. There are some differences in the mix, which we can talk about. But overall, I, I mean, I, I prefer to hear the, 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 the remix at any time, really. Well, initially when it came out, I said, okay, this is good. It's very different. Yes. It was way different than I expected it yes. to be. And um, initially I thought, okay, I like them both. They're both very different, and I'll have two you know, different experiences depending on which one I want. When I want to listen to Vapor Trails, I have two options now. Yes. However, I've had, I was just telling you before we went on the air, uh, I've had the remix in my car for maybe two and a half years and it hasn't left. Yeah. And I've listened to it front to back so much. Uh, today, I listened to the original album for the first time in years. And um, I had a very different kind of experience with it. It yeah. was more like... It was a little more taxing to, to enjoy. It's more taxing to hear. It just it really assaults your ears and uh, uh, it, it makes you tired listening to it. Yeah, and there's still moments where I'm like, oh, you know, this heaviness and this extreme release of energy is kind of cool uh, at this moment or whatever. Yes. And when you know when it originally came out or when we knew it was going to be a thing before the remix was released, we all kind of talked about how this overproduction on this album kind of reflects and you know the distortion and the um excess of energy sort of reflects the emotions that were happening in the group at that time yeah it's the thing is um, not that it justifies this it sort of I sonic mean, mistake they didn't want it they didn't want it to be that right in, in your yep. face it wasn't like they wanted it to be that way and in fact with only a little bit of space between i think the, the problem was and i'm, I'm not sure if David Bottrell talked about that. He, maybe, mm-hmm. well, he wasn't involved with this. Maybe he didn't. But that they were just in the, in the studio so long, longer than any other album, that problems like problems like that had happened before. I mean, 
when they were making hemispheres, at, at one point Terry Brown said, I, I can't hear what's going on. I got to take a break or go to a different studio. And then when he got to a different studio, he heard the difference in the problems in, in the mixes that, that were there. That when they were making Grace Under Pressure, they were in the studio, you know, what up to that time was a long time for them, like four or five months or something. And they felt they were going crazy, but, it, but it didn't, they didn't lose perspective. But this time they were in the same studio for so long, like over a year, I think, at least one full year, that they had just lost perspective. And Getty, this is the thing that Getty always talks about is that, you know, uh, um, uh, mixing is the end of hope or something. <laughs> I forget the exact quote, but he, this is what he means that you just, not only do you, is it not living up to what you thought it would be, but you can't even hear it anymore. And that's what happened to this record, I think, is that the, 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 the mixes had issues, and then whatever happened with the mastering, then they couldn't even hear the problems when it came back from the mastering. They were just too out of it. And I'm sure they were under pressure from management by this point, because by this point, it's the new year, it's 2002, we've got a tour probably scheduled at this point, and we have to start going, you have to stop. You have to mm-hmm. stop working in, in the studio. And that's probably, you know, I, I don't blame those guys at all for what happened. I think some fans kind of like say, you know, what were you guys thinking? Like, you know, just have some feeling for these guys. They were doing the best that they could and under the circumstances. And everybody, which is Paul Northfield, who was producing all of them, just presumably were just wanting to get out of there and, you know, and and wrapped it up. And then before very long, realized that, that there was an issue. You know? It's funny because there are people, there are Rush fans who say, nope, the original is... Vapor Trails, like when this remix is not, I don't like it. I, I listen to the original. I don't understand. I mean, and the first thing I asked yeah. David Rotrell was, what was wrong with the original? And he said, nothing. Nothing was wrong with it. He said it was a different interpretation. And, you know, maybe that was, maybe that was him. Uh, he, did, he wasn't going to come out and be like, you right. know what? Yeah, that, yeah. Mi- that producer, that guy who mixed the album, he messed it up. I understand that. But uh, his, in his opinion, he said, that person did what he did, and this is my interpretation of how I would have mixed it. So, it, it would be interesting to hear what if the original had been mastered correctly, what it would have sounded like. Because there were there, there were problems both mixing and mastering. And he said it's also it was also a product of the time, yes. in that everything in recorded music had been escalating louder and louder how how can we make this record as loud as possible not just rush everybody yeah, yeah. at the time was a common and this problem. was sort of the the peak of that and you you hear it too in the next record with snakes it backs down just a tad yeah. but there's still that high energy yes and i think they really dialed it in there but let's get into the tracks here um one mm. little victory is there, Maybe get, one of the before we get in, 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 into the into each track, I just want to say it, uh, I like to group these these songs into two general lyrically anyway in, into two general areas. That there's one is um, one are very, these very dark set of very dark songs, which are really Neil talking about uh, what he was going through, and they're, they're, those are very painful songs to really listen to if you listen to the lyrics, you know. And the other ones are like these uplifting kind of healing tracks, both for him and the band, you know, renewing themselves and such. Um, there's kind of one exception, which we'll talk about later, but, but I just want to say, you know, it's, 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 I think it's useful when looking at these songs to think about, about that way and see which of these two areas the song falls into. So obviously one, one little victory is, you know, 
the, the flag-waving renewal rebirth kind of song, you know. So what were the two categories you, you said? Um, ones that are, well, in terms of, I'll go with the second category first. Those that are uplifting and that discuss healing and renewal and the rededication of Neil and the band to doing what they've always done, but to do it better and, you know, oh, to be optimistic and to, you know, we're going to try and do this again and, you know. Um, and the other songs are like Neil processing what happened to him. Mm -hmm. And these are very personal, like, you know, uh, Ghost Rider is one of these, Secret Touch, um, uh, va Vapor Trail, obviously, and then the more abstract ones like Freeze or Nocturne. And the uplifting ones are like, uh, obviously, One one Little Victory, Ceiling, Ceiling Unlimited by its name sort of sure. implies that. Yeah. Well, I, I've argued for a year and a half now that I think this is the the biggest uh, concept album they've ever totally had. the most successful this, concept album. yep ever. this is a concept this album. is the most successful one they've ever done this album tells a story front to back of, yeah. of one person yeah. who had a thing happen to him you know had a whole series of events um from the first song to the last song tells you a story paints a picture you know clockwork does that but in a more fictional fashion yes. obviously and also a more um fantasy like way. but this is also about the band because this didn't just happen to him mm -hmm. this happened to all of them i mean it hit i mean obviously it hit him the most because he's obviously the guy right in the center but it happened to all of them alex said he didn't play for a year mm -hmm. you know it really was a disaster for everybody concerned for then all their families they were tight they are tight so it's about the band as much as it is about him too sure. i think so well I, the biggest thing we say about one little victory is how how epic the first moment is when totally. <laughs> you know and you experienced this i didn't because i didn't know what rush was back then but uh rush is back you know, how is yeah. neil gonna sound and then boom what is neil gonna write about this is the, the anticipation of this album was several things like hey they're getting i thought they were gone i thought this band was over yeah more so than today today we know they'll probably make a, another record <laughs> at least. but in 1999 you thought they were toast. i thought i was I thought this band was over, and I was I was had reconciled with that. So to hear that they were even getting back together was crazy. Then to hear the record, to hear this crazy uh, drum opening to it was, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty. It was pretty shocking. <laughs> I had a moment earlier this year when I called our correspondent Chad, and I said I just listened to One Little Victory, and I didn't skip it. I listened to the whole thing. Yeah, because One Little Vic Victory falls into this thing. This group of songs, along with Far Cry, um, Caravan to an extent, and you notice these are all first tracks. Yes, yes. Where I listened to them so hard and so much that uh, the, you know, especially with Far Cry and Caravan, I heard those before the rest of the album was out as singles. So when the rest of the album came out, they were just bonus tracks. Yeah. You know, yes, and yeah, I, yeah, I wanted yeah. to hear those bonus tracks. Yeah. More yeah. so than the single that I've heard on the radio a bunch. So. One little victory is um, a great tune. the The malice I have toward it, toward it is, I think it goes on for maybe thirty seconds too long. Not to say there's like a way they could have trimmed it that would have been better. Um, and I also I've heard it live a lot. Yeah, you it, know, it is and, and for me, I've only heard Rush live since the Snakes tour. So if I've heard it, what is that like four four tours maybe? Yeah, and I've heard it three times. You know, those are that's a potential a spot for a potential other song. Not to say I don't like to hear it live, but it's you know, 
you guys know what I mean by yeah. that by now. Well, I, I, I love the pairing of the uplifting quality of the lyrics with the band's performance. You know, Getty's kind of a sneering vocal. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of Roger Daltrey. You know, it, it's sort of, it's kind of, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, a sneaking measure, right? It's kind of like, kind of raunchy. Kind yeah, of, kind, yeah. Kind but of, and vocal. what I love is that line is raunchy, like you said, then jumps up an octave to like shrieky Getty like right. from he, back in the day. Yeah, you know? um, not even shrieky, it's kind of like a falsetto. It was one little victory, which oh, happens yeah, yeah, yeah. again in the, uh, he, I think on, on his album, he had experimented with using his voice in ways that he had never used on a mm -hmm. Rush album, sort of these very light and uh, uh, subtle touches. And so this is, it's going to happen a lot on this record. And this is the first time we hear it on the very first song. Mm -hmm. You hear it in like, instead of belting out, one little victory, he's like, one little victory. You know, the very, it was really shocking to me to hear that. And it, again, it happens on, um, later on the, on the stars look, look down, the same yeah. thing happens. So. It's a good track. It, it's um, maybe one of the best openers. I mean, the openers have not disappointed since this album. Exactly. Yes. You know? Yes. Totally. So we moved to Ceiling Unlimited, which was a track that stood out to me when I was first um, digesting the album, as I say. Uh, I, it stood out to me as a really strong track. And when I started getting into Rush as a live band, meaning I'm studying like their old set lists the yes. set the most recent set list and i saw that it wasn't on there i mean obviously there's only one set list in yeah. existence that it could have been on i was surprised because initially you can look at an album and kind of go oh i know this you have an idea of what songs yes. can be performed live and which ones they're going to stay away from yeah i thought that would be one they would play and obviously it got what a couple dates it was alternated Oh, it was alternated. It, uh, uh, Ghost Rider and Ceiling got alternated. I see. It, it was played about, I think it was played about as often. When I saw them, no, I saw them twice on that tour, and, and I heard both both songs. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, so it, was, it, was, it wasn't like they played it once and then played it again. It, mm -hmm. it was just in and out, you know, which kind of ticked me off because they were doing so few songs from the album anyway that I kind of wish they had done yeah, I mean, this, both of them. Even you know. today, like, if we take out how it is from R40, 80% of this album was never played yeah, live. Yeah, well, there are reasons which we can, there are which definitely we can get to. Reasons, we, we, yeah. Later we'll talk about live, live performance. Yeah. But uh, this song just hit a... It hits this... And this is so true of all the songs now, but it just hits this massive level of intensity from like almost the very beginning. It just stays there. Um, I kind of felt no other Rush song ever sounded remotely like this. The, the, oh, the, that's okay. Like, like this song. with Part of it is that, you know, the... Um, the the sound of the guitar and the and uh, it was nice to have a solo that, that was uh, nice to have the solo c come out on the on the yeah what um, a surprise the, the like what a nice yeah, surprise was. I mean it was so funny that Al that Alex walks in and makes this ultimatum a there will be no synthesizer we're only going to use guitar and b I'm not going to do any solos mm -hmm. <laughs> which was his because he was listening to like Tool and he'd been listening to you know a lot of intense music like uh, the Mars Volta he'd been listening to and. You know, it, apparently it must have been a thing around that time not to have too many guitar solos so that was what so you have this paradoxical thing of massive amounts of guitars but very few solos and the solos that are there are sort of buried in, in the mix yeah and they're not necessarily it's similar to Ben Mink's guitar work on My Favorite Headache when there are solos they're not guitar features they're more yeah. or I, maybe that's what they are they're not solos they're more guitar features where they're just playing melodically they're right. not making a big statement but like there is a solo on one little victory but it's sort of 
it's there. It's kind of a muddy thing in there, and it's yep. not totally drawing attention to itself. There totally, aren't a ton you know. of notes happening. Yes. Uh, similar on uh, Earthshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the no synthesizer thing is something that I, I can remember vividly this conversation I had with my dad when I was really young, maybe right after I got this album. And I remember we were leaning up against the counter in the kitchen, and I made a comment about how I actually kind of like Vapor Trails now. I'm like, you know, there's some good stuff on Vapor Trails. And he said, you know, I think we kind of buried Vapor Trails and didn't, get, didn't give it a shot because it had no synthesizers on it. My dad is primarily a synthesizer yeah, he likes, player. Uh, yeah, he likes... Uh, and naturally, uh, like, I like hold, power hold, windows. Hold your fire, he likes. I like right. hold your fire. So I like the synth stuff. So when they came out and said there's no synths, we were kind of like... Oh, well, we don't like this record then. <laughs> but they, we but they used all the lessons that they learned using the... I mean, all these vocals are fi functioning the same way that... Exactly. The, vo the vocal layers, the guitar this, layers. The guitar, it's all functioning the same way. They, they learned about arrangement for all those, Absolutely. All those albums. You know? and, and they've balanced that out. I think it balanced out perfectly on the next record. Yes. Where they scaled some of that back, added a little bit of synthesizers, yeah. and we get this, yeah. what we have today. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the bass sound on... On ceiling on 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 limited, but also the whole record because because the bass sound is kind of different on this record. And you being a bass player, I thought you might have some yeah I, opinion on that. I think that Vapor Trails and Snakes and Arrows. I know that those two records contain my favorite Getty Lee bass tone he's ever had. Yeah. Um, the remix made it clear that I love the bass on this record. The now that I'm revisiting the original, I'm going that bass line is inaudible. Right. You just hear right. muddy thumping. Totally. And that is yeah, yeah. not characteristic of his sound, which was really a guitar-y kind of, guitar-esque sort of twangy, yes. in-your-face punchy. Uh, and a lot of that gets buried on this record. There's one moment on another track that I think our friend Jason Vaughn pointed out to me, and I'll, I'll mention it when we get there, where a, a moment where I think the bass is better on the original and sort of got buried on the Oh, I'd like, like to know what that is, yeah. yeah. You tell me um, But in, uh, you know, the, the Rio bass sound for yeah. this tour is like, well, I, I heard a part of Rio the other day, and I'm like, God, I miss that bass sound. <laughs> it is so nasty. It is yeah, so yeah. mean. So, um, you know, it, and in even on the original, it's buried, but it's still, I think it's still good. It's evident on Ghost Rider, I think. I think the bass, the, the bass sound was also affected just by the fact that he was playing a lot more um i don't know if you call it chords but um he's playing more than one note at a time often you know, yeah you might call the beginning him, of, of of ghost rider is yep. a good example of that you might call and, him double stops yeah in the like especially in the upright bass world if you're playing more than one note at once it's a double stop and because uh, you really can't play once you get into three or more notes at a yeah. time on the bass, it's it just doesn't sound good. So you know, other, other funny things too, like on the um, uh, beginning of out, uh, out of the Cradle is this great little moment thing. Uh, yes, with like a little tapping. Yeah, thing, yeah, 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 absolutely. A central component of the entire tune. You know, <laughs> yeah, which is a favorite moment. Of oh, I, I'll I could talk about Getty's like <laughs> evolution, you know, for forever. But that's a really good point. There's, I think there's a part in Ghost Rider that specifically, well, actually, yeah, in the in the world of bass, Ghost Rider's intro. It's a gorgeous pattern. That's yeah, the, and, and that's really, it. that's what Alex is referring to. Like, that's a guitar part that he yes. that is being played on the bass. And I think these are directly um, taken from his work with My Favorite Headache. If you listened to last week, you know that we covered how Getty was really exploring and he, yeah. and he was double tracking bass parts. How can I play this instrument differently? 
And uh, we hear Alex say in those interviews how, you know, we got together to start writing Vapor Trails, and, and Getty's playing it. all these chords, which and meant then later I could he overdubbed 6,000 voices. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, and I love both of those. those so I think the lineage is, and I, we also mentioned a couple of weeks ago, some of the uh, the voice work that you're talking about started on Test for Echo. So yes. there is a lineage yeah. that builds up to this. But it still didn't prepare me. I was still utterly blown away by the by the huge amount of vo- and, and I love them and the, I, and, the vocal parts yeah all the huge amounts, amounts was of that a, when you first heard the record was that one of the biggest things that stood out to you it's you know first hearing this record was such an eye opener and mind blower that it's hard to pick out one thing that the one the first time it really leaped out at me was on Peaceful Kingdom I think but uh, yeah, the, the, the amount of, of vocals that both functioning as lead vocals where you have double track lead vocals and you're not even sure which one the lead voice is. Mm-hmm. And the remix didn't clear that up either. They got switched, but you're still not sure which one. Is Are you talking about a track specifically? Uh, a Peaceful Kingdom is yeah. one. <laughs> uh, also on, um, it's either Nocturne or um, on side two. Well, I, but I think of a side two anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple of times where where, the, where either either vocal could be the lead, and you don't know, especially it, when they flip them. Then you're like, yeah. <laughs> and to me, it's fine. Obviously, Getty didn't care, right? <laughs> because he heard the remix from Matril, and it's cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he, that's what that's one of my favorite things. About, one of many things that I love about this record is that the, these vocals are, and that, but also unfortunately rendered it impossible to do live. But I want to I want to say some stuff about Peace of the Blue Kingdom. So let's get through this silly, stupid track, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, oh, one no cares? one likes. Who cares about that one? <laughs> um, Ghost Rider is like the first, really, uh, is the first of the very personal ones. And in it, a sense, this was maybe what this was the heart of what you were anxious to get listening to. To, to you know, you get the you get vapor trails and and you're wondering, you're like, what is Neil going to write about? Yeah, because I mean, he, Rider, he, like, here's oh. why. I, well, here's why I <laughs> asked that question because my big complaint for so long about Neil. Um, is that he he didn't he really did not want to write about himself. There's an interview which I've never been able to find again, but years ago I read an interview with him where he's just said, I hate navel gazing as a songwriter. I don't like it in other people. I just think, you know, I, I do enough nasal gazing on my own and I don't need to put it into my songwriting. And it's just not something I do. So then when I heard that they were going to make another record, they got back together. I said, well, what the hell is Neil going to write about now? You're going to continue to write in the third person about something abstract. And, you know, you just went through the most horrible human experience that anybody could, could, could think of in terms of losing the people you love most in the world and, and come out of it and you're still alive. And you're not going to write about it you know what what does what will it sound like to hear neil peart actually write about himself in, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the kind of way that is not abstract or removed or made universal mm-hmm. or you know the and here we find out it cuts to the bone you know mm-hmm. he had to, there was no way he could escape writing about that so this is the first one of the first songs not the most painful one to be sure i mean there are ones that come along after this one that are cut to the bone even more but mm-hmm. but this one yeah and, and it, it became a bit more clear after i read the book um uh, ghost rider it mm-hmm. helped help me understand uh, understand the song a little because when the album came out you know i didn't know my i knew he had been riding his motorcycle but i didn't know for how long or that it was this massive journey or that all this stuff happened to him you know that was i didn't know that when it came out but um yeah the song just um for for me this is um, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I didn't understand the gravity. I couldn't comprehend the gravity of this record or this song specifically when I was a 13-year-old. Listening and I, to not, you know, now that I have a wife and kid, I, I 
and and that's the other some clue. I I have neither of those things, so (laughs) I'm probably not even close. And I'm now the age, roughly, that that Neil was when this happened to him. You know, so Mm -hmm. it it I can't, and I can't even conceive what it would would be like to have that happen to me. You know, I had a little bit of uh, not anger, but a little bit of uh, I was a little annoyed with this track when I first started getting into Rush because it was played live a lot, and I didn't get it. Because I, they could. <laughs> well, and they liked it, too. And oh, yeah, I knew yeah. they liked it. And I've said this a few times before. When I was getting into Rush, I was playing bass, and I wanted to play some hard stuff. I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted flashy, fast, difficult music to listen to. And Rush gave me that yeah. for 90% of the time. Yeah. Then there was that 10% of songs that weren't flashy and weren't difficult and were a little slower. And I didn't care. I didn't care about those. I didn't care. And, yeah. and Ghost Rider was definitely one of them. Not to say it's, you know, it's, it's high energy in a different way. But um, so I was annoyed that it was played on two, I think, two consecutive tours as I was getting into the yeah, band. I, I think, think Rio and on, R30. Yeah, I think it was on, 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 on R30 also. And I didn't like it. However, something happened. And I'll, I'll tell you what it was. I don't know what made me realize this. But one day I said, holy crap listen to the guitar mm-hmm. in the, the, I think like the pre-chorus where he, where Getty says, keep on riding North and West or, or whatever the line yeah. is. He's just playing yeah. these eighth notes and, and it's the length of each note and the space between the notes that I don't know how he does it, but it's just this driving yet supportive line that I, it gave me goosebumps. Yeah. And since then I've obviously loved the track. I want to hear it live Yeah. Per, per, in person it's a rare moment, I think, where each part of the band is on its A game. I think the guitar is incredible for the reason I just said, and obviously other reasons it does some great things. The bass has something different that we're not used to, yeah. st- uh, style-wise. There's also this amazing just foggy fogginess to that yes. song. There's a, there's a section like about it's about four minutes in that has so many... Uh, textured sounds, vocals, guitars, and guitars, and guitars, uh, and with a, with a guitar solo, with, there's a semi solo. Not, not, I'm not talking about the. You're talking about da da da. Yeah, da, it's a da, sort da, of a da, semi. Da. It's not really a solo, but it's definitely in there as it's a, a vapor part, trail solo. And it's a sort of yeah, it's a vapor trail solo. <laughs> right. It's this very foggy, beautiful feel that that didn't come out so well on the first version. Now, pause. Yeah, I want to say that I think the drums. To finish my last thought, the drums are fantastic yeah. and that the the melody is so perfectly composed and executed on this track uh the part you're talking about is interesting to me on the remix because you're right it's this foggy's a great word for yeah. it it's a very ambient sort of yeah thing that's happening it's it's re- it's a reflective time for the listener i think it's a moment to kind of sit and digest what he's telling you. Yeah. But on the remix, there's this, if you listen really carefully, there's something that isn't present on the original. Which is, tell And me. it's this, what I think is a synthesizer, which is like this. I, it's a really weird, like whisper sort of sound. No, it's Alex. I know what you're talking really? about. Really? It's something <laughs> it's guitar related. There was no synth on this album. Well, I'm wondering, was there no synth or did like that Ceiling Unlimited, Unlimited solo were since recorded, but then decided, no, they if won't they be included. If they had put since on, that they would have noted it here. They've never been shy about saying exactly what That's got true. played. That's true. The, the credits and I don't doubt that you can make that sound on guitar. I don't know Alex what it is. Alex can do it. Alex is, I mean, th- this album showed what he can do 
on an experimental level. I mean, Getty used to mention way back in like the 80s, I heard read interviews where he talked about Alex would bring in when they were doing writing sessions, he'd bring in these guitar symphonies, like <laughs> crazy stuff, which never, I think some of the crazy stuff never got used until now, you know, because yeah. then Alex had made Victor, he was hungry to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and he just took it further than, you know, had it had been taken well, ever, I want, ever before. I want you and I want everybody listening to check that moment out because I think it's the perfect, like, I don't know if it's just, you know, it, it sounds like it sounds like a move like, like a mogul almost. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's just the smallest little thing that I think makes that moment so perfect. Also, in that moment, are Getty's those these vapor trails vocal lines that he's yes. doing, and he's just moaning. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounds like somebody crying. That had they ever created a sound tapestry like that before this album? No, absolutely, no, not. absolutely. No. This not. album, maybe that's okay, to answer your earlier question, that is probably what blew me away the most was that they had broken through into an entirely new area of sound and expression that they had never achieved before. And that's what I, that's probably the ultimate thing I hear about this mm -hmm. album is that it was a breakthrough. Um, and they've never, it, it kind of, they haven't done it really since to that. They've taken aspects of, of that and used it in their songwriting. But I think it happens so powerfully on this record for uh, obviously all the reasons we've been talking about the, the intensity of what happened and the rebirth and the um, um, Galax, uh, um, Alex and Getty wanting to try put uh, apply all the stuff that they've been doing over the past couple of years to rush, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so let's move on to peaceful kingdom. Yeah. So this is, I came out on maybe the episode you heard initially about the remix versus the original peaceful kingdom was virtually the only song I thought I, I liked the original better on now that's for two different reasons. The first five seconds of the track, yeah, on the original, I think are incredible yeah. and also kind of feature that over, uh, there's gotta, there's gotta be a word. There's a word that I want to use for the, um, excessive energy on the original, but I think that is used really nicely on the first five seconds of yeah. this track. You get this only to clearing two. sky. Boom. See, <laughs> right. I, I just, thought that that I was just more blew my mixer up. I screaming into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just Can this fix that in the mix later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do something about it. Uh, it's just this incredible release. And See, I thought that worked better. The reason I thought that moment worked better on the remix is that you actually had dynamics. You could have dynamics. It actually started softly. The, the original one didn't have that. The, whole, the original one's all essentially one <laughs> huge volume. Yes. And there were no dynamics there. And Matt, I took, uh, I took a screenshot of, like, you're, we're looking at the waveform <laughs> yeah, on our computer yeah, yeah. of uh, the two of us talking right now. Well, I put in the original freeze and then yeah. the remixed freeze into this program yeah. so I could see them. Uh -huh. And you wouldn't believe the difference. Or I yeah. guess you would believe the difference of how, how much bigger. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's de depressing. The sound is. <laughs> it was really, I mean, the, the fact that you had that dynamics that to me, when, when Neil crashes in, boom, it's more powerful on the remix because of that. Okay, yeah. so let's take the sonic elements aside because that's all I had to say about the sonic yeah, element. Because yeah. um, I think the rest of it sonically is better. Yes. I just liked that entrance. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Uh, in terms of the arrangement, this is one I don't really dig. You know, again, it's an interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's David uh, Botrell's interpretation. And I don't really, you know, like you said, he flipped the harmony and the melody around. Yeah. That's um, about the only thing I really feel is all that different about it. There's, I think there's some like displaced vocal parts at the very end. I think if I'm remembering correctly, whereas like that, oh, that vocal line doesn't really, that would normally start earlier or something. Maybe that was ceiling unlimited. Uh, I didn't, 
obviously didn't write anything right. down about this, but uh, no, there's just something about this one, and I don't think it's the strongest Rush track ever. See, I I so disagree with. Oh, you, you really like? This <laughs> I one. love this song. Yeah. What I mean, is first it about of, for it? me, it, well, it's several things. Um, first of all, I was I was living um, here when 9-11 happened. Actually, in was, New York I, City. Actually, I was living in Jersey City, but I was in Manhattan when it happened. Wow. I wonder, did you have a view of the towers? Well, from, I, I, well you weren't. I, what happened was I, I, I couldn't get back to Jersey City because uh, the path wasn't working. The, the path trains, Hudson, weren't working. But I, I had a girlfriend at, at the time who lived in Astoria in Queens. So I walked with her across the 59th Street Bridge to Queens. And I remember looking to my right and seeing this um, black smoke stream coming from Ground Zero, stretching out over over the bay into Brooklyn and ending at Coney Island, right? So then later when that line, a wave toward the clearing sky kept being repeated, it, it just felt, it took me right back there. That, that's just because I, you know, was my, was my experience, but it's a very powerful track for that reason. And this is, this is, you're not making a, you know, an indirect comparison. This is a song about 9-11. Yeah, it's about two things. It's about 9-11, but it's also about his tarot card experience. Which if, we see in the artwork. Yes. Do you, do you know about his tarot card experience? I don't know anything about what what is a tarot card. The tarot card experience. Oh, it's a tarot. The tarot. tarot. All tarot the, 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 the artwork, if you look at it, <laughs> is all these are all tarot cards. Yes. And what happened was he during his motorcycle trip while he was trying mm -hmm. to figure out himself out, he was dating some woman, not his wife, but he was dating somebody. Really, else. I didn't know that. Yeah, you read in, in the book, and. So they're at a fair somewhere, and there's a guy with tarot cards. So just for the hell of it, you know, he just, you know, do a tarot card reading. And so, you know, Neil takes five cards, puts them down. The guy, essentially, knowing not, he doesn't ask him any questions to lead him on or anything. He doesn't, he didn't, the guy didn't have a clue about anything. He just exactly laid out Neil's situation, very detailed-like. And it, it kind of blew him away. It's sort of... He doesn't. He's. He hasn't talked about it since in any, in any like interview or anything. But it, he said it definitely rocked. He says in the book it, it rocked my my world that, that, that this happened. So this is both about especially for a guy who has no belief exactly. in any exactly you know totally. any other power. Right. You should read the book. It's a I very. To, it's I know. A very interesting. Passage. I realize it's the biggest crime as a Russian. Right. You know. And but I, that's why. And the neat thing was that Hugh Syme then took this element and. and you know, created this nice yeah, I mean, theme the whole, it's, with it. You know, it's splattered all over the artwork, right? The, the book, and including on on um, Four Peaceful Kingdom, it has that card, the the tower, which is this haunting image of people falling from a tower. It, yeah, it's very. You know, before that conversation, the conversation we just had, I had no, I knew they were in there. I had no clue why. <laughs> I did not know the connection. That is why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, what about musically? What is it about this? Um, I like the odd. No, just talking because this was a this was originally an instrumental, correct? Yes, which I can't figure out how that would have been an instrumental because it, it seems to maybe because they just you know sliced and diced it to make it better for a I vocal. I think it, but it would have been a limbo esque kind yeah, of instrumental it, where it's just I don't a really, kind of stuff happening and there. I can't figure out how this would have been an instrumental, but that's just because I, mm -hmm. I'm experiencing it as a song. I'm sure they would have made something out of it as an instrumental, but um. The, one of the things I love about this is in the very beginning that you talked about, when you first hear sounds coming in, there's a pattern that, that Alex produced somehow or other 
that it gets repeated over and over again. Which you couldn't hear very well on the first version, on the first mix, but comes in clear on the second one. And it's very obvious at the very end of the song. That's right. It kind of lingers at the end. I think they're harmonics. I think they're heavily distorted harmonics. And it's used as a structural element. It's used as like a as like sprinkles. Yes. Not not as a I'm gonna contribute something harmonically to this song, but rather here's a sound effect. Right. Um, that's one of the things that I, I like. Oh, I have a, I, I have a parallel to that later in the album. <laughs> and I love the um, the vocal. I, I love the the vocal thing with the with, with the two lead vocals where yep. it's in the end unclear. Like each version, each mix sort of puts one over the other, and I, I don't really mind one or the other. I, you know, at first I was a little a little shocked to hear the remix when the lower one, the lower voice became the lead, but um, I, I think either one is fine. You know. And there's that. <laughs> happening as well yes. like throughout yes i i mapped it out one time like at a piano or something those harmonies are when we talk about intervals that's the space between how many notes are between this note and that note. right right you sing this line i sing the lines a little higher clearing sky yeah. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. i i believe unless i was really stupid back then or i'm making this up <laughs> i believe they're in perfect fourths oh, okay. which is that an extremely sense. rare it's a very thick to, sound to harmonize with thick sound. in pop music like it, it's yeah. a it's a really distinct sound um very interesting um what another thing i'd love about this is that between so between the verse and the chorus the, what i'll call the verse and the chorus is this short crunchy section consisting of a, a measure of seven and, and and a measure of of eight um dan, 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 dan. It, it only lasts for a short time and then so then when you get to the chorus the talk of a peaceful kingdom. Oh, yeah, um, I know kingdom. I know exactly what you're talking about. When you yep. get to the chorus, talk of a peaceful <laughs> kingdom, it's got this odd thing. It, it, it's 10 bars long, and it has a two-bar bass line that's repeated five times. And then the vocal comes in on the second repeat of it, but on the second bar. It's it's a very strange thing, and for a while yes, I thought. Yes, you're right. You're right. So the the vocals enter at a point where you don't expect. Totally. Yes. I, yeah. And the okay. phrasing works. The 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 the, 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 the there's a two bar uh fra- you know two bar vocal phrase, and I thought that maybe if, is this an odd time signature or is it? I finally figured out. No, it's just a ten bar. It's just ten bars. It's just yeah, ten bars which, with which this one pattern. Totally messes times. with your ear. Yeah. If it's not yeah. two, four, eight, or sixteen, our ears are like. But it's in Whoa. four. It isn't an odd time signature at all. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the same way with like three three bar phrases, like you said. It's just. The, and, and they've had odd odd features of song structure for for a long time. Absolutely. And also, what I love is the chorus, which you could hear better on the remix, has acoustic guitar on it. Yeah, and it's a wonderful little sound. It's sort of it's a nice addition. It, to the it wash brings of it sound. down a bit. The intensity lessens, and it's more like a, you know, it's a very basic kind of um, feel. And I think the um, reason it could be basic is because Getty of how melodic Getty's bass part is. Yes, he's yes. covering a lot of musical ground with that line. Anything else on Peaceable? Um, I didn't I realize this, it, if this is your favorite, you know, say what you got to say about it's it. It's a classic example of Rush having verses that are heavier than choruses, which they have done a good amount over the past... Really? Ever since th- this... That's something this, I had never this, considered. This record. They, yeah, you have uh, the first, the, the verse, all this time, I'm not rational of you, it's a big honk thing. And then you get the chorus, talk of a peaceful... And Ketty's... There's some recent interview where Getty mentioned that that it's sort of something that, that they like to do. Oh, cool. it, it sort of cuts against type that most uh, in the pop 
vein, most songs will have like a sort of a calmer mm-hmm. uh, verse. And when the chorus comes, you go all out and that's your hook. Right? Mm-hmm. But in this case, there's a nice hook on, on, on the uh, chorus, but it's, it's softer, you know. Um, you said you thought that this song lost its balls on, on the remix. <laughs> well, yeah, we just talked about that, that, that uh, before. Um, no, that's all I want to say about this. Matt song. came with like a packet of, yeah. of notes and I was like, Oh yeah, this is how <laughs> this is how I always wanted Rushcast to be. You know? <laughs> like You've had other cats with so you just didn't see them. That yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there are a lot of other guys who 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 did a ton of planning. Yeah. I'm sure most people did. Uh but this is cool. So the stars so, look down. You know, the stars look down is a track that I've heard people really crap on. What? I've heard people talk about oh this song God. in the same like in the same sentence as a dog years or a virtuality. Oh, boy. I, I swear, like Who I are have, these people. <laughs> and I don't understand. Now I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you it's on the strongest half of the album for me, but I will never tell you it's not a good song. This is the one that when I first heard it. Because it has this, uh, what is the meaning of this? this sort of quality to his voice, which I'd never, I mean, even on, so even on. A falsetto-esque kind of yeah, thing. Like yeah, but even, he, he didn't even do that on his album. Mm-hmm. This very, uh, it's combination of sardonic kind of joking, like, what's the meaning of this, you know, uh, um, <laughs> What are you trying to do? <laughs> it's talk, and the idea of Neil talking to God or talking to the universe is 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 crazy too. Hilarious, and, yeah. And and, and that's what he's been driven to. That's what I was saying. What's Neil going to write about? He's going to go all out and like bear it. And this, I think, this in some ways, this song might bear it the most of all. You know, the fact that he's just you know saying these in this sort of crazy you know what is the meaning of this what are you trying to do this almost so, so for you it's the, it's the connection between the melody and the lyrics which yes. is we're always striving for as yes. musicians but really dialed it in on this one um this song kind of sounds like the who to me in the first part uh because uh, yeah. there's that, that crushing riff and also the chords underneath during the are you under the illusion that that sounds like a pete townsend kind of um <laughs> chord progression uh, a little bit um, uh, in the way I, I like uh, Alex's part at that moment doom, 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 boom 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 yeah boom, boom, with this boom, really boom, boom, um, boom. I always wonder was he using a lot of Stratocaster on this album this very uh, uh, high end sort th- of uh, I think um, a telly is used live on One Little Victory mm-hmm. I think yeah um, that's a good that's a great question because I would like very, to know there's a lot of high end on the guitars on yeah. this album yep and, and there's, they're crunchy still when they need to be but there's often these little parts that are not as distorted, but they sound strange and they sound very tinny, just like on 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 that part yeah. you just mentioned. Yeah, it's a it's a nice addition to that, you know, the the wavelength they're on at that moment in the song. Um, I love those buzzing insect sounds that, that Alex makes during the choruses, where it's it's kind of back. It, it, it's a backwards. Sound. Oh, it's it's reverse. It's a backwards guitar, but it's a yeah, 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 yeah. The whole, and again, <laughs> our, our chorus is not as hard as our verses. Yeah, right. It, it's. Yeah, it's a really, to me, this song just, uh, there was another lyric on this song that really killed me when, when I first heard it was, um, let me look at the lyrics, I can remind myself, it was... Uh, one, of the th- one of the things, I'm so glad you pointed out the reversed guitar as a sound effect, because it's, it's sort of sprinkled throughout this album, um, but we, we really haven't heard it since. Yes. It's just a Vapor Trails thing, yeah. and... Um, uh, the all this massive guitar experimentation is kind of a vapor trails thing. Oh no, this is the track out that it's featured most on. I'm looking at the track list now, thinking there was another one. It might appear here and there, but um, at the end of this track, especially where the song ends, they hold this note out, 
and then all of those little sprinkly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, come uh, back it's in a very they, cosmic ending and they the sing song. that line one more time and yeah, it's a beautiful it's a, it's a cosmic ending and song. you know what even then it's not done because he says and the stars look down and there's more of these like there's it like sounds like stars there are harmonics yeah yeah, <laughs> with like a reverb on or, or something. What a what a the nice line touch. that just murdered me when I first heard it was, "Have you lived a lifetime today, or did you, oh, or did you just get carried away?" You know that that one really because it made me think at, at the time, "What am I doing?" You know, I, I was at this point I, at, at 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 the time I was a full time mu- mu- musician and I was having trouble doing so, and uh, I was just like, "What am I doing?" And <laughs> am I really accomplishing what I want to accomplish and whatnot? Yeah. And and that 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 one line just like. What do you play? I play clarinet and saxophone. Really? And I'm still I, I still play professionally, but I work full time too. <laughs> it's it's so funny because anytime I have you musician on the show, it's either one of three things: <laughs> guitar, bass, <laughs> or yeah, drums. Yeah, no, I, I'm your one <laughs> odd guy, right? And I'm the odd guy who thinks this album is up there with. Well, I'm, I'm a music and, uh, teacher, <laughs> and I played saxophone for a long time, so I'm oh, not good. gonna. I'm I won't be the one to tease you about clarinet <laughs> and saxophone. Uh, yeah, I just think that this song again, Rush had never done anything quite like this uh before mm-hmm. how it is i want to say that how it is is how it is 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 this is a song that went from the depths of my the barrel of songs i don't want to listen to to close to the top again yeah. um this is this, again sort of a rush ballad it's not a ballad but this it's is... just a little more low-key and i didn't care about it the the bridge is what turned me around yeah, um, this song. I mean, it's just I'm gonna, I always start with the lyrics first, just because on this on, on, on this album it sort of leads to to everything else. I mean, it's one of the most depressing lyrics on the album mm-hmm. because he's almost in like a suicidal uh, rut. It seems like um, you know, and I think that for that reason. Getty and Alex wrote some really beautiful music to set it off with. And they're using acoustic guitars and I assume mandola because he mentions mandola on, on the credits, on, on the intro and the choruses. And the melody is also really catchy. You know, that's something I always kind of struggled with, especially after I fell in love with the song. I said, and this is maybe contributing to why I didn't like it initially, was this lyric, it's such a cloudy day. It, and it's it's a little too yes, fruity yes, for me. The, it, but, you have this conflict. <laughs> you have this conflict between such cloudy. I think we'll ne- never see the sun. Um, you know, full of uncertainty. It, it's again. It will. Re- uh, you don't have to read Ghost Rider to uh, to really get this album, but it definitely helps because there's Ghost Rider is full of scenes like really heavy scenes like that. I, I heavily associate every Rush song and every Rush album to weather. Uh, you know yeah. the setting I was in when I first really got into the music, and Vapor Trails is a very sunny album for me, and especially how it is for whatever reason that that moment that it clicked for me, I was driving somewhere as a beautiful yeah, summer day. Right. So it's hard for me. It's weird for me to listen to that. You know when it's, it's very he- it's when heavier I'm in that than you setting, think. I want to listen to it, but he's saying it's such a cloudy day, and it's totally not <laughs> for me. It's yeah, it, it's the song is deeper. I think a lot of people might if people don't like the song, it's because they think it's just too ca- too cheerful. It's not these these lyrics are really. I mean, it's catchy and sunny for a reason. I think because mm-hmm. Getty and Alex knew they had to set off this somehow, and 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 in the very the very end where it's he got this beautiful bed of solo guitar uh, of guitars and solo bass lines going on with, with, with Getty and you hear him singing again in this 
this voice I'd never heard him singing before, like foot upon the stair, shoulder to the wheel. Mm. You can't tell yourself not to care. You can't tell yourself how, how, how to feel. That almost drove me to tears. That is my heard. favorite yeah. moment in that it song. It is just, yeah, it's magic. And, and musically, it, it supports it so perfectly. Now, this is the moment, Matt, that, uh, I, I be, again, I believe it was Jason Vaughn who, who contributes to the show a lot, yeah. uh, who mentions that this was a moment in this bridge that he yeah. likes better on the original because on the original you get uh, every the band kind of drops out and the guitar is doing this like tickly sort of sound yeah. again a high end twangy yeah. thing yeah and the bass goes you know what part I'm talking about yes is it different on on, on the first one uh, it's different in that it's almost inaudible it's it's very much buried I wonder whether he overdubbed several. Maybe he just pulled some layers. Yeah, he just yeah. had, you know, he, he several tracks worth of bass solo, and he decided which ones he wanted to use. And then he didn't tell Botro what to do. So, right. And I mean, that's I'll agree with with Jason or, who, or whoever said that that that's a moment. Especially if you're gonna subtract bass, I'm probably not gonna be a fan of it. But it's, <laughs> um, you know, the the rest of it sonically is is so much better in my opinion. Yeah, this these uh, that, just that that bed of, of guitars just oh it never fails to. Uh, you mentioned how. You 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 kind of like inadvertently said uh, blah 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 side two, right? Yeah, and I think of, of Vapor Trail as obviously being the beginning of side two. Why obviously? Well, me too. But why obviously? Because it's hard. If you had side one, it would be hard to follow how it is. Like George Martin had this formulation for for Beatles albums that you start off each side with a real, you know, show an opener, like, yeah. a big opener, right? And then you end a side with a song that's hard to follow, and that's it. And I think. Oh, so not hard to follow in that it's really good, but it's a, it's, it, 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 it's, no, no, meaning that it's hard to put something after, yeah. you know, that you, it would naturally be a pause and there is no pause here, but that, I think that that formulation still kind of holds. And, and these guys, again, they, they can't get out of thinking in things like, I, uh, like, like album. sides. Yeah. I yeah, totally I mean, think they, you're they right. Yep. And, and like they sort of tried to not make an album and they failed miserably. <laughs> they made snakes and arrows. So, <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, not, not, not six arrows. Uh, um, uh, Clock, Clockwork Angels. They uh, tried to release a single and not make a record, but then they just made a record. You yeah. Know? So I think, I think they just very much think in like in album formats. You know. I don't um, because I've never. I've listened to a record twice, and that's because, uh, like a vinyl record. Yeah. And that's yeah. because somebody gave me Moving Pictures and Grace Under Pressure on vinyl yeah i don't have a record player i don't know how to use a record player <laughs> so i brought it up to school when i was in school we had these listening rooms and i this is unrelated so i played the records and um it was nothing special in my opinion it was fun to, to experience uh -huh. those records like everybody else experienced them um so what i'm saying is i don't think like sides but for some reason there is a divide yes on almost all of these records and that's where the the divide is for me and it's not because i hear vapor trail as uh as an opener of the next side because i think secret touch could be an opener it's could just have been. there's just like this difference in vibe after this track that's true um the songs do get a bit well i, I think as always with rush they've always said the longer they write the stranger they write so that the songs that like i think uh, um uh, Nocturne and like uh, the one and Freeze, which uses the odd, odd times. But I, I, I'm willing to bet that those songs came late, like later, well, later, later, later in the yeah. writing process. Um, 
I have to apologize because I think I've called people out on this show. I'm looking at the back of Vapor Trails right now. This the track Vapor Trails is Vapor Trail. Vapor Trail. Vapor Trail and yes. I used to get so annoyed when I saw people write that because I just assumed no, no. that Trail. it's Vapor Trails like the actual record yeah. is. Um, so I apologize if I ever freaked out at you for that. <laughs> this one again is another painful one, and it's specifically about the memories left behind by his wife and child and using this great metaphor of the vapor trail as something that's there and then it gradually floats away and is gone. Oh, all those, all those, um, similes washed away like footprints yeah, and the rain, yes, like yeah, he yeah, just yeah. goes and goes and yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. So, and you, you have this image in your head of him, like, you know, he just got gas for his, on his bike and yeah. he's just kind of sitting, uh, you know, he bought a Coke and he's just kind of laying in the grass, staring at the sky, yeah. looking at these vapor trails and thinking all of this poetry. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a really, it, it's all these songs, the, these harsher songs are harsh in, in different ways and they cut in different ways. And, and this one, this one though is so towering because it, I mean, Alex uses his, I recently found out because Alex said in an interview that, that the electric 12 string he's always used on it. Every time he uses an electric 12 string is his classic double neck. That Gibson thing is, he always uses that as his, as his 12 string. That's what he uses here. It's this huge, huge sound and, um, and it, 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 I think it like rivals how it is for a lyric that's just hard to read without feeling pain yourself. It's sort of, if you really think about which, it. Um, which lyric, or all of it? Oh, the whole thing. Now, know. there's there's a lyric in on this record that, in this track, that I think kind of sums up the record and, or at least is just makes me mo the most emotional. Is what? is vaporize the memories that freeze the fading cast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I think part of that is because it names another track on the album. Yeah. But a, a lot of it is just because it's, that's what it is. You yeah. Know? <laughs> this, this is what we're, we're singing about. Yeah, yeah. These are some of the most amazing lyrics he's ever written. And this is sort of, this is the paradox of going through massive trauma and pain for both him and the band is that they had to go through this to create this masterwork. They had to go through this just <laughs> terrible mm -hmm. thing. And yeah, I think everyone would rather it hadn't have happened, but we do get this in incredible set of lyrics and, uh, uh, and emotional outpouring and incredible music along with it. Um, they're set off again. The lyrics are once again, set off from their, their toughness by this, you know, up uplifting musical setting with, with, the, with a 12 string and this, it's also part of a guitar army. It's not just that, that 12 string. There's a lot of guitars, of going on and also Getty's vocals are like on that on that um, chorus you know it's it's huge it's I, I used to think that maybe there was a massive amount of reverb on the track but I don't think there is it's not that big it's just mm -hmm. because of the the orchestration and, and the way they recorded it it just comes off as this huge I mean it makes sense because you're talking about a sky you know but um yeah it, it definitely leaves you um kind of emotionally spent hearing this uh also know, this song. we have to acknowledge this vapor trails guitar solo that happens in this on um, that's this right yeah and it's this climbing so it's that it's that counterparts soaring sound that he gets yeah this is 100 a time up up this ladder i just wish in, in this case i kind of wish he was higher in the mix mm -hmm. you know he was so adamant about um keeping it all like sounding like a band and not having a soloist but in 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 this case i i i kind of wish it had been you know sure been higher um and then the next track is i mean it's hard to pick for me you know a centerpiece for an album like this but this somehow or other a secret touch something me, about is the 
it's just a centerpiece. It is so completely, it, I've said this over and over again, this is like a breakthrough record, and this song is the breakthrough song of a breakthrough record. But like, like it's pretty obvious who the spokesperson of the record is. Yeah. It's Secret Touch. And I don't even know why, I guess I could analyze it and say, why does this song speak for the rest of the album? But it was, well, it was the second single released from the album. I think that they knew that. They, and they, like, how they could it not be? It. You know, yeah, it, right. it's the most radio material thing you're going to get. Right. And it's also the one that most sounds like Alex was digging tool and rage against the machine and nine inch nails. Yeah. Uh, his work is just, it's outstanding, chaotic and creative and groundbreaking. The, the part that in that middle when, when there's a break and you get the sequencer kind of thing, the thing that Alex loves to sometimes sound like, like a sequencer going back to this. And I went, I remember when I, when I saw the show, I had a good friend with me who had not heard the record yet. And just as the song started, I said, you're going to like this. And we were sitting second row in front of Alex. And we get to that part in the song, and, and both of us were here live was even more powerful. And he mm-hmm. was just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's, this, it's not a solo again, but it's this um, uh, re- repeated pattern. that. And also, the, here's the part probably where I differ most with the original mix, is that on the original mix... That part, that guitar part, was by itself in the bridge. In the bridge, without vocals on it, for at least two measures, maybe it was four measures. And when when David Bottrell looked at it, he saw on on the original multi tracks there was vocal on, so he put it back. But I think that the original decision was better to have that guitar part be by itself for four measures, and then layer other elements back in. Yep, and that's an arrangement thing, you know. Yeah, that's. It's something they toy with live because I, I believe when they played it on Rio or our it was like it was on the album. one of those tours that they played it on they'll stretch that part a bit yeah yes or yeah. Getty will wait to come in uh, I totally agree now I th- I believe it's Chad who says this is a moment he does doesn't like on the remix is that when the bass finally hits those couple punches yeah. Um, it hits you so hard on the original, and he said they just lost their balls on the remix. Yeah, I, I would, I, I could see, I, I, I can see that. This um, is such a big yeah. moment. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I'm always in favor of the remix overall because it's a listenable record. But that is, I think, this tune maybe for me is the only one where I kind of wish mm-hmm. that they had, that he had actually listened to the original version just for, for, uh, for arrangement purposes. You know? Yeah, I mean, this was also on the original. The rest of the song is heavily distorted. This is one where they really, this one really got jacked up. Yes, I think. yes. This one, it, it, it suffered a lot. You know, this is a secret. Touch is a song that I think could, if you said, give me five tracks that represent Rush, this their entire one career. Yeah, this this one might one be the first totally. one I go to. Yeah, um, that that mantra, the way out is the way in. This is all, we're getting into these songs, which are now uh, this one and, and Nocturne and Freeze, which are a bit more ab, more abstract. And, and and this is the first time where you get like you're not quite sure what he's talking about. Uh, he gets a bit more clear later in in, in, mm-hmm. in the song, but you have this hypnotic thing going on with this starting with, with, with like the drum part. It's all very droney. You know, even the drum part's kind of droney. Totally, yeah. And um. So then when you have, they come in with this crunching minor six chord, <laughs> which is so strange to hear. All right, I'm Rush. very, very, imp- number one, I'm impressed. And I'm happy you said that because <laughs> uh, we have to talk about this chord. 
because i'm gonna i'm gonna bring something up later it's gonna blow your mind or maybe not because you're you're you know i'm a, i'm a jazz guy, so you, you hear to, minor uh, six you hear minor six it's very if you're, it's, it's yeah, an odd if you're sound playing, for, for rush to do you're playing jazz you're gonna know but uh we'll we'll talk about it in a bit but uh you know i i heard the there's something in music called tritone. You know what a tritone yeah. is. Uh-huh. And it's one of the nastiest sounds you can make in Western music. Um, so when I heard this track, I immediately thought, that's a tritone. There's a tritone in there. It must be... It, it, maybe it's, you and I are no, the ones yeah, yeah. This. I, It yeah. must be an augmented It must force. be something making that sound, you know. But let's see. It's uh, E minor 6, right? Yeah. No. So there is a tritone in there. Yeah. It's just not uh, from the root. Right. It doesn't sound like, I mean, to me, I'm very, I just did a gig the other night with a big band where I I was playing on on, on a tune that had a minor six coordinate. So I'm in that mode. So to me, it doesn't sound like, you know, it's not that um, much of of a dissonance, but it's very jarring to hear with a very distorted guitar and in Rush to hear it. Yes. Uh, And it's very, it's again, going somewhere they had never gone before. No no Rush tune had ever sounded like like this before yeah um and also sixth chords in general are you don't even have to know what a sixth chord is just just trust me when i tell you this sixth chords are rare in pop yeah and and when we talk about rush in context with jazz rush is pop you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's a it's a very different sound for a pop band to use yeah, or especially a rock band well, to use. The, the Beatles used it. Oh, yeah. Recently. And I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, she loves if it, we yeah. go back far enough, like six chords were absolutely yeah, 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 in, yeah. you know, rock and roll. Right. Um, but in, in today's music, it's it's a, a little bit of a rarity. Um, yeah. So that, that chord tells you you're going some, someplace different. And again, we get these lyrics that are just, you know. Uh, feeling like he's out of sync with everything that uh, he's seeing other people, you know, lead normal lives who are in love. And he's just sort of, I mean, the idea of being out on, you know, he's put himself up, up, apart from humanity in, in the first place, being on the road on this motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He no, doesn't know anybody. And also feeling just like he's completely disjointed. This, this, this song totally makes you feel what, what that is, you know? Yeah. Um, I think melodically it's fantastic. Um, you said it's very drone-like, and you're right, especially harmonically. In that first part, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and in the verses, we get essentially just two chords. Yeah. And Getty's... And, and just one set of lyrics, the way I was the way in, the way I was the way in, the way I was the way in. I'm talking about the uh, out of t- out of sync with... Oh, the that part, I'm sorry, yeah, direction, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Like, those, that's a pretty good melody, and then we get... Uh, you can never break the chain. You can never break the chain. And a gentle hand, the secret touch. Yes. I think that's a great melody. I just remember, I'm glad yeah. I have my notes with me, that there's that the remix has an amazing feature on it, which was mixed out of the, it was not on the original, or was not audible at, at all, which is this crazy guitar harmonic pattern that was overdubbed over the repeated riff when Getty comes back in with You Can Never Break the Chain. So then when... When Getty said, you can never break the chain, there's this pattern. If you go back and listen to it on, on the remix, I can try and sing it. It's this crazy oh, thing. I don't know it's if this, I've heard that. It's, it sounds like he probably did it in, in, the, uh, in the jam sessions, and it was recorded, and Getty just took it. Or maybe Alex maybe took it, uh-huh. it and listen to it, and then compare it. Compare that section to the original mix, and you'll hear this very strange. And it's over where the vocals enter. Yes. Okay. That, that's when it comes in, actually. Okay. It is not on on the uh, the, the original. The, on, 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 cool. On yeah, the original. I can't wait to check it out. Um, 
Yeah, so, and again, talk of horrible lines. If there was never love without pain, <laughs> it's just really heavy, cynical, <laughs> heavy. I mean, yes, yeah, strictly speaking, you may be correct about that, <laughs> but still, you know. Um, yeah. Now, I want to back up a couple tracks because I wanted to mention something. Sure. You talked about the 12 string and how he only played it on the double neck that he had if he was going to play yeah, a Yeah, whenever he, he said in this interview, it was fairly recently, the last year or so, he was in talking about the fact that whenever he had to use an electric 12 string, he uses that double neck Gibson. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's geek out gear wise for just like a couple seconds. Um, did you see the our, did you see R forty at Madison Square Garden? I did. I was there. Seventeenth row. Nice. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons, and this will back up my one little victory comment. One of the reasons I'm not so happy with one little victory is because it ate up. I think it unfairly ate up a slot. I'm always that bitching alternated. About that. <laughs> it alternated with how it is. I think if I remember. Yeah, correctly. and they didn't play it. So yeah. so I can hear, I either get one little victory, which I've heard a zillion times right, live, right. or this one that no one's ever heard. Like, that's not fair. I was quite Come upset. On. I was quite upset when I saw a video on, on YouTube of yep. them doing that. And like, oh my God. There were a couple other travesties, but that's for a later time. And, and Getty was using one of his strange bases from his collection and yes. doing this beautiful work on it. It was like, oh man. But, but Alex, when I watched the videos of how it is live on R40, Alex played... Uh, an electric 12 string Paul Reed Smith guitar, uh -huh. which he exclusively played f in the 90s. Was they were oh, all really? Paul. I hadn't yep. noticed that. Wow. So if you watch oh. Rio, yeah, it's mostly uh, Paul Reed Smith guitars. They were usually like jet black. Like uh -huh. those are beautiful instruments. Otherwise, yeah. And everything Alex ever played was either red or jet black. But uh, this one was like a green or a blue or something. And uh, I think electric 12 string guitars are pretty rare. They're definitely rare in Rush. Uh, so that was a cool moment to see a new guitar and also sort of a flashback to Alex's pre, you know, Gibson days, or, yeah, or yeah, I guess yeah. the middle uh, in between his Gibson days. Anyway, Earthshine, Earthshine. This one. Now this one had a couple different, uh, makeovers. Remind me, cause I actually was trying to hear differences when I was listening to it and, uh, it was coming up. Maybe I, I didn't spend a, 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 you know, enough time trying. But so, what's different in the remix from? Well, I what I meant was there's the original, and then somebody came along, and uh, I don't know the name, but somebody came along and did one little victory, Earth Shine, and maybe one other track and remixed them. Oh, I, I'm sure. Yeah, that's what Do you're you remember talking. that? Yes, yes, yes. They they um. It was a third when party. they did one of their compilations. Alice got Rich Chicky, who's his was his engineer for a while. I see. And had worked with Rush on I think on, on to States. be honest, I didn't hear. I didn't hear. I'm sure there's differences, but at the time I heard them and. Uh, I didn't give them much attention. I have it. I have it. I, I just, for, I should have listened to it actually. I forgot to. I have, I have a feeling they're not nearly as drastic as this remix. I have to, yeah. I should go and do my homework now that I'm finishing the podcast. Well, what's, what's <laughs> funny is, yeah, right. I mean, you did enough homework, man. <laughs> uh, you got your whole, your book report yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, uh, It's interesting to note that I have the CD, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been listening to the remix on CD a bunch yeah. and I went on Spotify today and I said, all right, I, I've been listening to the remix. Let me just listen to the original again, just to refresh my memory. You can't find the original on Spotify and everything yes. else Rush has ever done is on Spotify, yeah. which means, uh, at least the way Spotify sees it, or maybe the band sees it. The remix is now the vapor trails. The, everyone. It, it's true on title also. Cause I'm a title guy and it's okay. not, it's, it's not on, on title. So either. it's like they want, 
It's like the remix is the Vapor Trails now. Yeah, like, that's they don't too, want us to hear the original. That's too bad. You know, I mean, maybe because they let it go out of print and that's it. Um, oh yeah, that maybe that's true. I think as probably well. this, they don't want to keep. It costs money to have stuff in print, and you know. yeah, and this is a new thing, and they want to sell yeah, the new right, thing. Right, right, right. Um, I think it's probably true with. Uh, the that's that first initial couple tracks that got remixed as well. I'm sure those aren't on Spotify either. That well, that compilation might be. I have to see. I can't remember. It's on a. It's on one of their greatest hits compilations where they put. Yeah, what these, are they? Uh, retrospective or something. Yeah, one like of that. those yeah. where they had the, the. They did three, I think. Yep. Two, three. I can't remember which ones they were. And and others that were named other things as yeah. well. There's a million of them. Right, right. Uh, Earthshine. It was like a big. It was a, a big gun for this album, especially. First the song they did live. It was the first song they did live. Oh, early in, early in, in the, the set, set too. Yeah, yeah. The first song from the album that they did. It, it's the most kind of accessible and straight ahead song. You think so? On the record, yeah. In terms of, I don't know what I mean. What do I mean by accessible? It's the one they could do live. It's got a very straight ahead riff. It's uh, sounds most like Rush had. It sounds most like previous Rush before this. Okay. Album, yep. You know? It's not. It's not that experimental. It, it's. Um, it's got these churning chords. Um, um, it's it. heavy enough that no yeah. one's going to get up and get a beer during this. Well, right. You know. I, I mean, I think that there are definitely, there was a contingent of fans who didn't like the, the, this record, but I'm willing to bet that they, that they like this song. You it, know? Yeah. Now, um, I think the, the fact that it was fuzz, it was very clearly a fuzz effect that Alex was using yeah. at the beginning of this. Right. I think that's, I can't think of another time where Alex used fuzz, maybe other times on this record. Uh, but fuzz is a very different thing than distortion. Yeah. It was this song, like all of them, suffered uh, um, from from that. Um, mm -hmm. It's got. Um, it, this is actually one of the most difficult to analyze lyrically for me. I, I kind of this is, it gets again as you're talking about this. This part of the album becomes a bit more abstract, um, abstract, with Secret Touch slightly, and and with this one, the next song not so much, but then the two after that are. It's it's got a great. I mean, even though I don't understand fully the lyrics, it's got this great line. Um, my borrowed face and my third hand grace only reflect your your glory. <laughs> I love the sound of it. I'm not I, I'm not sure who he's talking to. I I, I, I don't want to think it's his new girlfriend, his his you Yeah, know, you can't imagine I don't think what it is, you know, but Well I think I think it's fun to have a section of this album where we're like, we don't know. Right. We right. probably never know. We'll yeah. definitely never hear from him about it. And right. You know, so this song, when, when I was saying early on that there are some exceptions to my, you know, two categories, this is sort of one of those that you're not really sure which category it's in. It's, it's somewhat up uplifting in that you're looking up toward, you know, this guy and seeing that what, he, what he's saying is like the earth shine or what, something that is, um, he's feeling positive about. But it, it's, it's sort of hard, hard to read, which I'm fine with, you know, because so much of the album is not that hard to read. So it's mm -hmm. nice to have a song where, a, a, like a classic Neil song where you just don't know what, what, what he's talking about. Um... As a teenager, I listened to Rush musically. I, uh, like I said, I was ignorant and didn't care about the lyrics. <laughs> uh, and I didn't think this was an overly... This, this song didn't blow me away musically. However, the remix sort of changed my mind on that. Again, this was an example of a song that, yeah, it doesn't have like... It's not, it doesn't have a riff like in Virtuality yeah. or Caravan. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, it's telling you a story in a different way. It's more about the texture. Mm -hmm. It's more about the soundscapes. And especially in the bridge. So there's, a, there's kind of a guitar solo on this too. Slightly, exactly. slightly. So here's an example of this Vapor Trails guitar solo yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, the Vapor Trails guitar solo. I think that on this record, 
and this song is the biggest example everything is building towards the guitar solo even though the guitar solo isn't even in existence like it's the bridge it's this the bridge is like the climax of these songs mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And in Earthshine, I imagine it like this. This might sound so cheesy. I imagine the bridge is like a king <laughs> who's sitting on it, literally on a hill, yeah. on a throne. And we are, we're, as the listeners, we are working up that hill for the whole song. Think about the mood of this song. It feels uphill. It, it, it's heavy. It's tough. Yeah. And, um, when you listen like that and you get to the bridge, you have this sense of, I'm finally here. I, you get to the top of this hill, you stand up, you look around, you can see everything. Yeah. And here's, you're, you're there. You're at that throne <laughs> that you've been working towards. That, that's just like this that's weird sort of vision. Like, that's the, uh, the imagery that I have. And I, I see it on other tracks as well. You're, everything is working towards the bridge, and the bridge is this extreme release of energy. Yeah. It's this big sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. That's true, because and those tend to be the parts that are um, the strangest, <laughs> you know, the ones where they uh, where Alex is doing something he hadn't done earlier, or there's something about it that's um, probing, or yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. That that, that they all come like two thirds of the way through the song, or three quarters of the way through the song, we arrive at that point, and then there's a you know, song ends. And I would venture to say that this is. This is the closest we get to a regular guitar solo. Yes, this yes. is um, melodic enough and noty enough. But one of the best parts of it is the end when it when it's over and we get that high note. Da 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 da. Uh-huh. Two, three, four. Ah, ah. Yeah, we're back into the uh, yeah. The uh, power chords uh, are back. That's an amazing moment. I love that's that moment. The, where that's you, the moment where you get kicked filthy, off the hill and you're filthy back down sound. With the peasants. That filthy sound. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> it's a it's a really powerful moment. Yeah, um, yeah. This song was has never t- for some reason it, it's a great tune, but it's never been one of my favorites on, on on the album. Sure, I think just because it's I think maybe just because it's more conventional compared to the rest of them, that the ones I sort of felt closest to were these sort of uh, searing tunes with uh, sounds that had never been been heard before by by, by uh, Rush. I think on any other Rush album, this would be like one of my top tunes. Right. Maybe. Like if this were thrown on test, you'd be all over yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like the end that it ends on a half cadence, which is oh, that's true. Yeah, essentially, yeah. you know, it's it's the, the second to last chord is what your ear hears that as. That yeah. last chord is is supposed to lead you to the that's one true. your ear wants to hear. That's fine. I hadn't even thought about that. It doesn't end on the tonic. It, yeah. Um, now this record has a, what I consider like a pit and that's this back half, uh, not maybe the half, but it starts at Earthshine, and it moves through the next few songs and it just feels like you're tr- not in a bad way. You're trudging through the mud. It's definitely, it's, it's it gets dark, heavy. It gets heavy. really dark and heavy. It's, it's difficult to understand. Well, that's before we get, to, I mean, I think Sweet Miracle is not as hard to understand. And actually th- this song but it's a, don't you think it's a different vibe than One Little Victory, Ceiling Unlimited? Totally, yeah, like, yeah. This song... It, it's much less um, pop or peppy. I think actually... Well, I, what I write about this song. I thought he's actually playing a bit like The Edge on this song. What is that? Uh, the Edge with that um, digital delay... That sounds like... I mean, he, and he's played like The Edge before, like way back uh-huh. in like around... 
82 through 84 signals great song to pressure he was sounds like he was um, listening to, uh, to the edge but oh but you, yeah song, at the very beginning and I, I hear the part you're singing this, yeah the very yep. beginning it, this is the last single from the album it's very melodic it's under four minutes the shortest song on the album uh very short song for Rush, you know, to have it Absolutely. the other four minutes. And Alex is playing a bit with this, you know, sounding a bit like like the edge. It, it's not for the whole tune at all, but uh, and we get this kind of a positive song, which is a respite from the the heavy three or four previous tunes, right? Um, but we don't get a full break from that because because the choruses, right? The choruses are are in major, and even though the the, the lyrics of the chorus read like a like a um, I'm sorry the um, the the verses are, are are in major and and even the the chorus lyric reads like a relief, oh sweet miracle. It it, it it's in minor. It definitely not. It, it's in minor. Musically, it is not a relief. Yeah, it's not a relief. <laughs> right. Even though when you read it, you, oh sweet miracle, sweet miracle. I think that may speak to you know you didn't want to be in this position to begin with, having to find a miracle. You know, um, and then in the section following that, there's some there's these Getty background vocals, and it, it almost sounds like there's a keyboard in there on the remix. And on the first one too, it's in the, it's on the first one too, just not as loud in in, it's in the to, mix. If it's there, it's totally yeah, buried. It's very buried. Are you talking? Because this is a thing that. I think I think it's guitar. I think somehow or other it's Alex. Whatever it is, it is beautiful, and it's what that song needed. When I heard the remix, I'm like, what was that? Sounds like bells. Sounds like bells. Yes, it's a bell. It's almost like a bell chime or something like. Uh, I, all I know is it's perfect. I don't really care what it is, <laughs> but that's that's what that song needed. That's what that song for me. I'm speaking for me. Um, that's what it needed to make it like I was just saying, where the bridge is what the song is leading up to. Yeah. The bridge is the climax, and and you hear again. It's like a it's like a crying moment again. Where Get, Getty's vocals sounds like he's crying. He's oh yeah. salvation. It's mm-hmm. especially that next. And part even when he's saying "Sweet Miracle," it's like almost like he's like. Oh, sweet mirror. It's kind of a strange way to be singing yes. what should be a happy kind of I wonder lyric. if when they were crafting this music, if, if Neil was saying things like that, like, yeah, it says, oh, sweet miracle, but it's not like that. It, they had to be. I mean, you know, for so long, I felt that like these days, Rush should be lyrics by Lee, by Lee and Peart, or by Peart and, and, and Lee. Right, they, you're they, they're working so, so closely. I, I, I really think that to be accurate, they should say that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm sure that they had to talk about it a lot. They, they've said that when he first handed them lyrics for this record, they, Getty said, this no, is just too harsh. Yeah. This is too harsh. You have to pull it back. Can you imagine what you those imagine lyrics what it actually were? actually was? What they, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see his original one. My God. Um, Anyway, so compared to all the other longer, harsher tunes that surround this tune, it is kind of like a brief interlude or a brief vignette, which is um, kind of a relief, even though it, you're having this uh, you know, heavy minor um, uh, chorus to it. And I love the end of it where um, the last verse... I was just thinking I that. I love that last where verse. Where the bass where, drops out, the drums yeah, are hardly there. You have... Uh, Alex playing again, one of those thin sounding. Great rhythm. Great rhythm part. Oh, um, and I think bass actually is there. It's just. It's just a very different thing yeah, than yeah, that yeah. driving riff. Uh, and also, melodically, vocally, a great moment for him to just change it up a little bit. Um, what is it? Rising to the surface? Yes. It's rising the, from the surface. Rising from the surface. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, that's a, a that's a different melody than we had been hearing. Right. And that those those are what gives you goosebumps, those yeah. moments. Totally. Uh, very it's, well done. Yeah, and I, I'd tune. like to 
you know, this song gets no love. I've never, you are the first Rush fan I've ever talked about Sweet Miracle with. Every you know? song on this album is towering. Right, but yeah, how many times song, you run but... into a guy wearing a Rush shirt on a subway and he wants to talk <laughs> about the stars look down, you know? <laughs> That's me, man. You got him. Yeah, um, yeah th this, this is a great tune. Uh, but um, I want to I talk about, or I just want to say that Sweet Miracle has some good drumming. I think representative drumming of what we're going to hear on the next two records where it's more of a, it's more of a behind the beat sort of groove yes. as opposed to you know anything on hemispheres yeah it's funny that the, the drumming on this album even though it's great it, to me it's not as um it's not as interesting to hear as the bass and guitar only because um you know he was just learning to play again he was he wasn't trying to push what he could do Ex exactly right? he He's wasn't not pushing boundaries like alex and getty were right in their exactly respect. he was just doing what the song mm -hmm. needed nothing really i mean even though he does that great part at the beginning of one little victory there's nothing there that's you know, searching or probing, really, it, it's it, it's a feature for you know Alex and Getty to really do their thing, and 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 Neil had just somehow or other taught himself to play again. Not taught himself to play, but got his chops back while making this this record. Sure. You know, um, the next tune is also one of my favorites. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the strange ones, totally. It's the. I mean, this was a. I had a moment as a, a teenager where I drank this. Uh, we went to a haunted like hayride with my grandma. Or my grandma <laughs> took me and my brother and sister somewhere during like a Halloween, and I had an iced coffee. <laughs> like I'm like 13. Okay? Oh, okay. And I had yeah, this yeah. iced coffee, and we went to this like haunted thing. And the whole night I couldn't sleep. I spent the yeah, whole yeah. night par like I was hearing things. Totally, I'm like there's yeah, a I murderer downstairs. <laughs> I the whole night it was miserable, and I uh, I had this song in my head because that night. Previous that night, I had listened to that song going, oh, I really understand. Like, this is, I finally understand what's so great about this. It's a great <laughs> tune. However, I forever associated it with the murderer downstairs and me and oh. my insomnia. Yeah. So it took me a few years before I could really enjoy it again. Yeah. The, I feel like this song and also the one after it, Freeze, are sort of a, um, like a duo. Um, oh, yeah? They're both... Um, slightly uh frightening for a reason i mean nocturne is just you know kind of about dreams and it's um it's more abstract and especially it's you know because it's about dreams and it has a billion guitar overdubs a guitar it, i mean there might be more on this song than any of them you yes know, definitely the tune really rages and it, it's up there with secret touch in level of intensity and it's the sort of thing where you listen to it and you go oh we won't be hearing this live <laughs> yes yeah yeah um what about this sh these shrieky vocal moments? Oh man! <laughs> in between the like, he the hasn't done that since like twenty one twelve. Oh yeah, <laughs> you like, know? really I mean, scary stuff yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm coming from an environment of like witches and like these people dressed as aliens running. He probably around. shredded <laughs> his voice for the next week after he did that. Yeah, that, that overdub. I have to say that this is one where I prefer the original mix a little uh, in terms of the vocals on 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 the chorus because. Um, I think there may have been, I'm trying to remember why I wrote that, because I didn't listen to the song. Today. Well, they're a little more, because you're not alone. I've heard others yeah. say that who listen to the show. Uh, the vocals are a little more conventional sounding on the remix, whereas yeah, I can see that. they yeah. maybe match that like incredibly raw, um, uh, scary sound. Yeah, there's a bit the, on the, the original. The, 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 the remix of this is a bit, um, it's slightly dull. There's a bit of a dullness to this one that that, that could have been it, it it could have been done slight, 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 slightly better. Um, 
the remix is generally a bit. Yeah, I, I'm just writing this, reading this now that the that the, that the guitars are on the chorus are a bit lower in in the mix as opposed to the first one. Um, but again, as I always have to say, that the remix made the song listenable, <laughs> because this yeah. was this is a really <laughs> intense tune, and it was another one that was just hard to listen to for more than a minute. You know, so you know, you lose something, you gain something. Yeah. You know? I, uh, again, a, br a bridge moment for me is it's a sort of a moment of stripping away some of those layers and we get that guitar and in the middle of that this this bass slide up the neck with tons of reverb and chorus uh -huh. yeah i've never done so much singing on a, on a rushcast <laughs> episode uh but that that's a that's a really silky moment yeah in the middle of the tune and then to snap and bring mm -hmm. right back into these shrieky demon screams yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's really I mean, in fact this one i mean i i when, when he put freeze as part four of fear i thought well this tune could also be in fear <laughs> you oh, know this absolutely. is another one that he could have easily made this part this one part four the next one part five yeah. I mean, you know if you're talking about that but uh, um i i also like the learics in a in a i think they're easy to kind of take they understand. are pretty straight ahead. Yeah, you yeah. know, like, did I have a dream or did the dream have me? Right. That right there is all you need yeah. to. I, I've had dreams like that before. You know, um, <laughs> or maybe uh, they're not easy to understand. They're they're just they're very interesting to me. And, and he and doesn't it, even go into like it's not even as direct as saying that he was that he's dreaming about you know whatever his wife and daughter anything like that i, I could I definitely imagine the aftermath of that kind of event just having fucked up dreams for right a yeah. long long time yeah and 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 maybe maybe it was direct maybe it wasn't but this this song enables me to think in this story of this concept album this guy is who knows where on yeah. his journey right and he's he either had a dream or he's thinking about his life as if it were yeah a dream as a whole like there's there's or a he's whole living a, he's living a nightmare or, you exactly know. Yeah. yeah and there's so many different avenues you could take to yeah. decipher this which is which is what makes it so so much fun yeah um for, listen, Freeze is... Freeze wins the prize for me. Oh, for yeah, the song, yeah, okay. For the most improved from the uh, original mix because it's really hard-hitting and was very hard to listen to, really hard to listen to on the first one. And it, and it really destroyed a great song. You know? Yes. Um, I think in the world of bass, we have to thank David uh, Beltrell on this one. Yeah. Because yes, yes. you get to hear really hear what's happening. And like you said... You know, meter changes, funky rush stuff like really that. the sure. first time on this album. There have not yes. been all that much crazy meter. So I mentioned, you know, a slightly misleading thing on, on uh, Peaceable Kingdom. And here we finally get, you know, uh, we, we uh, begin in like 13, right? The song starts off in 13 and then the vocal enters and then we're in six. And then it, with, with the exception of one measure on the, on, on the word rumor, like that measures in five, just totally following the the, um, the vocal. And then, and then the second verse uh, is is all in five throughout, and then uh -huh. the end of that section sounds like it changes time signature, but uh, it, it's it's in five throughout. So th you have the section of five. It's like a big five, yeah, over like a small. Five. And then the rest yeah. is, and then most of the song stays in five. Mm -hmm. um, this nice groove that they, you know, because so, sometimes uh, Neil will do a thing in five, like um, like on Kid Gloves and doing that and that and that, but here he just goes that and that, which makes it four over five. The drums are really in four. Really four, yeah. He's playing with the backbeat is on backbeats and the backbeats on downbeats, and it totally plays with your ear. What he's doing there is completely brilliant. 
I can't get my mixer to stop falling apart. Here. Um, <laughs> is that thing working or you keep dropping? I'm like, I'm yeah, so it's working fine, man. We got cool. top notch equipment here. Uh, um, but there's the, again, the middle of the song is the climax and it's such a cool climax because you get right before the line that he's, that he completely belts out. Um, sometimes I freeze. Sometimes I fly. fly. And he holds yeah, that yeah, forever. Yeah. Right before that, we get this stripped down moment. The drums go away. Like those are, those are the moments on this album that I cherish. To me, the bridge is the towering thing on this song. And it's one of the most highest moments on the entire record mm-hmm. Even, is, um, uh, I want to read the lyrics. I don't have them in front of me, but, um, where he says, uh, well, the one that ends, well, um, and I like a conquering hero that, that, that moment where he's leading up to, um, uh, uh, let me just read it. If I can find yeah, it. I'm having a hard time hearing the, uh, the actual music behind it. Hold on. I'll sing. I'm a terrible singer, but, uh, uh, <laughs> I can't read. It's too dark in here for me to read these tiny lyrics. <laughs> um, but you know, caught up on the street, uh, um, in, in like in a desperate panic, or a tempest of blind fury. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, light, 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 like a cornered beast or a conquering. Yes, hero. yes. That that moment. And is, we get this like halftime feel after that. Yeah, and, it's, and the second time that bridge happens, when that halftime comes back, Alex holds out this. One of his classic, you know, sus chords, four four chords <laughs> yeah. over it. <laughs> su- Matt's talking about sus chords. That's um, it's a fourth. That's our hemispheres chord. Yes, which yes, we later chord. heard. Yeah. He's essentially cry. playing that hemispheres chord over yep. like a conquering hero. Yeah. <laughs> that's some. That I I didn't know I had a jazz musician coming on because I could <laughs> we could just harmonically analyze this entire <laughs> album, but. Um, yeah, it's it's a great tune and wonderful that he made that connection to those three earlier songs, the, the Fear songs. There was talk, there was chatter at the time this album came out, but before the tour started, guys on the on the discussion boards were saying, "Oh, are they going to do the whole Fear thing?" I knew they weren't, but people were really hoping. That Why? They would. Because the first three are are. I would have loved to. I would have loved to, but they couldn't do this song live. Why not? Because I, I, I thought for sure they maybe. would. I mean, I there's a lot of there's a lot it. of on that section I just talked about, like a conquering here. That that was another one where there were like two two or three voices vocals right. on it. Yep. Maybe it had fewer overdubs than others, but I kind of I would have loved if they had because then they, then they would have played the the the, the, the weapon, which is. Oh, my you favorite did. unheard Rush song I never heard live. Right. <laughs> I mean, my God, that song's incredible. Um, yeah, the people thought they might do the fear thing, but, you know, never. This would have been, except for that one section with the vocal overdose, this song would have been good to do live. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the last song. Yeah, this is, this is a track that... It was the first one, the first one they started working on. Really? Yes. When no they, way. During when Neil wrote in, in his uh, in the essay for the tour book. Then when they first started banging around for a while, they were writing garbage. Right. Yep. They finally got some to who are working on, and Neil said the first one that came together was this song, which to me is like the Beatles. The first song they write for Revolver is Tomorrow Never Knows. <laughs> like they write this song first, and this song is probably in some ways the most far out of all of them. Yeah, you know, you know this is this is up there, and again the slot matches up with carve away the stone for me yeah it's a good tune and it's just 
got to be on the list of top 10 songs that no one ever talks about. It's, God. you know, <laughs> like, no, but just nobody so talks about it. What's wrong with you people? But I will all say this was maybe the last, probably maybe How It Is was the last song that it, that I really came to love. But this was, um, this one took a while for me. This one goes back into life affirming mode. You know, it's a very positive song. It's very mm-hmm. much kind of like, it's, it's nice that it ends, like, because if one little victory begins, it's fitting that we end with, with this one. They're, they're literally saying, here we come out of the cradle. We are reborn. We are, we are here. We're back. And, both, and for Neil, too, like, Neil's suddenly, Neil's back, even though he's still, you know, working on himself, but he's got this new life. He's, he's sort of back on his feet. He's playing. He's working again. It's very much about both him and the band. And it's this really powerful, um, the music and the vocal work together so, so well. And the, Alex's work is just out to lunch oh yeah and you mentioned the bass at the very beginning with yes, this weirdly yes. staccato percussive it's like it's like hammering it sounds like it's like know. a piano hammer almost yeah like, yeah it's definitely one of the i mean we haven't talked about this too much is that in like this was made in the first record where they were recording all their writing sessions and they could do it they were using a digital audio workstation probably to record everything in the quality where they could actually put it onto the record mm-hmm. so that stuff that was recorded then made it onto the end so this is probably one of those moments Even where it just happened once just happened once and they just kept it um and yeah it's this odd little little be- beginning that then you get all this guitar on top something of. that's much more clear on the remix like it happens in yes. the original but you're not really sure what it is but it, then you're like oh that's that's the bass yes yes uh um, now what a, what a cool moment for me is uh, second verse. It's the hand that rocks the cradle. Mm-hmm. It's a da 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 da. Boom! Guitar yeah. back in. Like, again, uh, these moments where Alex, through his career, can just go, "Nope, we don't need guitar here. We, I don't yeah. need to play here." <laughs> and then when he does play, it makes it so much more. You know what it reminds me of is, uh, hold on. <laughs> you say something i'll think of it well i just say that uh that, that when he comes in on that chorus with that again this kind of twangy again what where has he ever played like this before on 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 a, on a rush song outside of some acoustic guitar thing like where it becomes a such a key component of the song to have this strange sounding um uh, uh, pattern going on and with all this other stuff going on behind it like h- how many guitars was that actually i know you know? i want to know i want to know it's like, something i asked david and he would he said i don't know like I, <laughs> he's like there were a lot there were a lot <laughs> That's all yeah. he said there were a lot yeah uh, i okay i got it so this is a i'm proud of myself for making this parallel the moment i'm talking about it's a hand that rocks the cradle what is that, two measures or four measures or something, uh-huh. and then the guitar back yeah. in with a statement? Yeah. Reminds me of a motion detector where he says, it's true that love can change us. Boom! <laughs> guitar back in, right? Guitar's back in with a big that. chord, and then all these arpeggios. Uh, I promise, it's, it's the I'll same. I'll have to go hear it. I'll Take my word. I can't remember. <laughs> um, this, this song, I mean, the original mix of this one wasn't quite as bad as some of the others, in terms of the distortion or listenability, it, it sort of got away without too much harm. But oh yeah, it, but in some ways the newer mix is radically different in some of its guitar sounds. Like um, there's a time when um, uh, maybe when he says maybe time is a bird in flight. That particular section, if you listen to the original mix, there's a completely different guitar part going on. Uh, 
between the, the remix and the uh, on, like on, on the remix you hear very loud in the right side. I remember I I I heard it a few hours ago. That's what you hear from. And on the original, I can't quite um, sing it, but it's not that. It's it's something else. Meaning that a, a choice had to be made. Like Botro had to choose one because they didn't work together. He had to choose one part or the other to, mm -hmm. to do. And for the remix, he brought out this wonderful part. The, and the first one's not, not bad either, from what I can remember. But if you go back to it, it, it it's, it's that part when, um, um, where, everything, where the bass kind of cuts out. He says, maybe time is a bird in flight. Endlessly rocking. That, that's, that's the section where I'm, I'm talking this about. This is towards the end of the song where there's no it's not bass. The, it's not the end. It's sort of near the beginning, actually, when, when you hear, be, it's before the first chorus when he says, um, um, uh, here we come out. It's before that, before here we come out of the cradle when the drums come back. Uh -huh. in, right. It's, um, you just have, have to go here. You hear it in, the, it's very, it's obvious if you just do a quick A, B, if you line them up on Oh, totally. You yeah. Know, you'll hear it. Um, that's probably the one time where I most heard, I most heard a very clear difference between the two different mixes of, of in, in the album. There are other, uh, uh, other songs, obviously the, uh, the solo in, mm -hmm. in, um, what is it? Um, Ghost Rider is yeah. uh, uh, another one. But to me, this one's more interesting because it was a, a clear case of the producer having to make a choice. Or you mean uh, Ceiling Unlimited? Yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm Where ceiling. it was just a clear difference. Clear, so yeah. Here, this is, what I like, again, is that, that the mixer, you know, producer had to make a choice. You know, this, I'm thinking now, it reminds me of what we just talked about on Sweet Miracle, where there's this change. We get essentially a third verse, but it's a little bit different, and that's what makes it so, yeah. uh, that pulls so hard for us. And Out of the Cradle is... Uh, I guess the third chorus or verse or something towards the end of the song where we get uh, the bass goes down, down, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a sort of monumental moment like climbing the hill where, uh, you know, sometimes the fact that you aren't saying something says the most. Yeah. That's the, like what a big cliche <laughs> that is. But, uh, you know, you don't need to always be playing. And I think the band really dialed it in here a lot like we always credit Alex with doing through the yeah. career, his career. The last minute or so of that song is just this wonderful little freak out of oh yeah it's, so it, much going. You know, so do they much just music. get it all out of their system for the end of the album? And I do like the ending of the original mix, the very ending on the original mix, better than the remix sure. because you get this uh, Alex. It's you know it's obviously one of. It sounds like he's got like a. A, he's a using a rock or something. Or something. Yeah, metal using, on yeah. metal strings. Yeah. Now, let's talk about this last note. So, the last note of this whole album—that's a gigantic album, big collection of songs—is yeah, yeah, yeah. a funky-sounding chord, and it's a regular old power chord. But I think it's the feedback that's providing this pitch. It's the sixth of the chord. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. it makes it a sixth chord. <laughs> so the the end of this song, about that, yes, they leave true. us with this weird chord that we don't normally hear in rock music yeah, or pop yeah. music that we heard earlier uh, in the album. Yeah, the, that that, that yeah, yes, it's a six. You know it's exactly six. what I'm talking about. I hadn't about. even really known. I, yep. I'm hearing it in my head now. You're right. It's because six. it's that sixth wants to resolve. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And your ear wants it to pull back down. Yeah. And uh, and that's what we hear in Secret Touch. With this, you know, we hear that weird chord once, but then we hear it again at mm -hmm. the end of the album, and it sort of it closes that book a little bit for me. 
Uh, I've always wanted to point that out, mm-hmm. and I'm happy you're here because <laughs> yes. I'm, sure, I'm sure most people listening don't give a crap what kind of chord that uh, that last one is. But again, at the end of the song, this is another thing I think about a lot, Matt. Yeah, is the the last song is a very, and I think the band's conscious of this, a very good opportunity to wrap it up. Obviously, mm-hmm. the the closing seconds after the last song is over, I think, are really important when you listen to an album from front to back. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think High Water does a great job of this. Um, Mystic Rhythms, yeah, yeah, it, just about any last track the on garden. a Rush album. Obviously, yeah, the garden, the garden yeah. where you the, in the in the closing seconds, whether it's a fade out or a big hit like High Water. It's silent for five seconds. You have this... Between the wheels. Oh, yeah, (laughs) right. classic moment of that, You're just kind of sitting there. But you're reflecting (laughs) on, like, oh, an hour ago, I was listening to One Little Victory. Yeah, right. And, like, oh, I went through... I had this whole journey with this guy on on Vapor Trails, the story that he's telling us. And it feels like so long ago sometimes, but it also feels like, oh, man, let me just recap all the emotions I just had and the ups and downs of this album... And here I am at the end. It, this, it really is a journey. This al- this album is such, such a um, an intense thing. It, it kind of stands to me. This album, in some ways, stands completely alone. I mean, you can see it within uh, within their. Like, I remember you were saying a couple of episodes ago that you saw like that counterparts kind of kicked off this last era of Russian yes. terms of its sound. Yep, there's still. And I, and I, I think can they're still riding that. that momentum. I can kind of see that, but uh, I kind of see this album as kicking off the last this modern most recent era you think that maybe you because you mentioned you weren't you were too big on tester echo i thought tester echo was a big so for you that momentum died there yeah yeah. (laughs) i did not like tester echo i I still and notice that they've stopped playing songs from the album yes they have although i wish they bring back driven that was the one song Mm -hmm. that i I liked but uh, i think that they never they have not since this album they've not lost the intensity of their writing and performing. They, 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 there was a certain kind of intensity that was lost on Test for Echo. Uh, and that also throughout the 90s wasn't always really there for me. I, uh, I, yeah. I was telling you before we be started, I, I didn't like Presto. I wasn't all that nuts about Roll the Bones either. I, I really think there well, was... Well, there was a, a digression when you talk about energy from yes. Hold Your Fire to Presto, regardless of what you think about Hold Your Fire, right. like sonically. you know. And I don't think we're going to get that again. No, no. But I think that this, that, that Vapor Trails... Focused them and each of the two albums, I can't remember, only had two since then, but mm-hmm. the, the well, three really, I guess, but not one EP and two albums. But that those that they have not lost that kind of intensity and they've they've just gotten better, you know, since then. It, I kind of feel like it kind of set the it set the the stage really for for the rest of their of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to say um, something about the fan reaction to, to, to this album. I, I don't know how people feel generally t- now, but my impression was always that the fan reaction is unexplainably mixed. You know, there's a lot of, there is a definite fan segment that I know agrees with me that this album is up there with moving pictures and even 2112. But I think a lot of people at the time didn't seem to like it. And we don't talk about earlier that it was partially the sound quality, but there was something more to it. I think, you know, I, I thought, well, if I could hear through that sound quality, and still hear the amazing music, how come everybody couldn't, you know? It, it, it's confusing to me why people don't... I mean, it, everyone says, well, how come everyone doesn't ag- ag- agree with me on my taste? But I, I still think that this album has something that's so undeniably strong and different and path-breaking and just definitive about it on, on the same level as 2112 and Moving Pictures that uh, I, I'm not sure 
why a lot of people don't feel that 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 way about it. I want to say that there's a there's a re, I wrote this down. There's a great segment from an, an interview from the time the album was was released, uh, and so the, the interview goes like this. The the the, uh, the question is: Vapor Trails is much heavier than what Rush fans might be used to, and Alex says. Apparently, <laughs> and Getty says, "Who knew?" And they both start start laughing. And the idea being that, you know, you you fans of twenty one twelve think this is too hard. You know what? And so then the, the next question is, was it just what you were feeling while making the album? And Getty said, "Yeah, it's just what happened." And Alex says, "It's funny that comment has been made a number of times, and we don't feel like we made a particularly heavy record, but I guess." And Getty says, "It's intense. I think we underestimated how in- intense that it was. I think that may be what." People might have been uncomfortable with that level of intensity. And I think intensity is the word that we needed and that we were using. I think intensity is a better word than heavy. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Uh, totally agree. And like heavy means so many different things now in in music. But um, yeah, it's interesting to me. I don't. Under, I don't see anybody being disappointed at first when this record comes out, especially when they're waiting all that time. Yeah. And didn't know if they were going to get another record. I don't know how I would be disappointed with this. I do see there were people who did not like it. I, that's, I, I, that's I, I remember this. Yeah. I remember them. I'm looking at the message boards. There were people who. Uh, and what was the last thing you had heard? Carve away the stone. And, uh, <laughs> a C plus song. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so like, y- you should be grateful. Well, a C plus album for me, but you know, right. Just <laughs> uh, I want. I just wanted to finish my thought on out of the cradle. Yeah, yeah. On that reflective moment at at the end of the song that ends an album it ha- it's actually not at the end of the song for this album it's in the middle of out of the cradle the bridge section that i keep talking about oh, yeah. is not the t- yes that beautiful yeah, melody yeah. and it's just like this kind of it's sort of like a na 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 sort of <laughs> melody to me um but it's welcoming and it's reflective that's where the guitar solo would be and in this mm-hmm. case it's not the top of the hill it's it's more of like a, a step back and you and you're look it's as if Neil is is back at Toronto. He his, <laughs> he's he's you know he's 100 miles away. Yeah. And he's thinking like I just traveled around the continent. Yeah. You know, it, it it's that moment exists in the middle of the song and I think that's what makes Out of the Cradle different than every other closer that Rush has. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't I had not thought about that. That's an incredibly yeah. reflective moment for me. Yeah, it's a the whole album is a very reflective, and uh, you know if you really soak it in reading the lyrics, it, 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 it's gonna be hard. I, I don't always I don't listen to it a lot because of that, you know. The album. Yeah, because of that. It, it, I mean, I remember very well from the time period, and I listened to it a lot then. Then then listened to it a lot when the when the when the remix came out. Mm-hmm. But I kind of you know I I I like having a, an an album hold its power because if I listen to the album too much, then it sort of loses its power to sort of absolutely yeah really take me somewhere you know mm-hmm. um do we have time to talk about the tour yeah okay um so this tour you know i mean this is what's nice about when we're not in the studio <laughs> uh matt lives in new york as well so we had planned originally to do it uh in person but oh i want to say something about, about the artwork because this actually this actually hooks up a bit to the oh that's actually what i wanted to i was going to ask you before we went on and then i said let's talk about an album other than vapor trails until <laughs> we're, we had the mics on uh i'm really big into the artwork i'm, I'm big into artwork in general but i loved the original i love the new one yeah the original is a wonderful painting it's it's i think it's one of his one of hughes Symes best covers you know obviously he's 
to me, it's up there with the, the, that Grace on, on, Under Pressure, which is one, also one of my, my favorite albums. And, uh, uh, and the inside art, with, you know, where he took that tarot card theme and just ran with it um, is great. But that, what I found impressive about this is that when I'm first listening to this record back in 2002, and I, you open up this booklet, the first person you see is Neil. Uh-huh. And I took one look at him. And I thought, you know, behold the walking wounded man. Like, what the hell? Look at this guy. I can't believe this, you know? Yeah. And the same thing happened when I saw them. I got these awesome seats. It was the only time I've ever been that, 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 that close for a concert and for, and for this one. It was only the 10th or 12th show or something. And they had had that. I mean, there's that classic story about their opening night in, in, um, Hartford, uh, in, right? in Hartford, right? So this is not, not that long after that. And they come out. And remember, uh, this is at the Garden State, uh, the Garden State Arts Center, or it's called something else now, a bank or something. But the Garden State Arts Center here in New York, in uh, New Jersey, it's, it's oh, now Newark? called it's now called the PNC Bank Arts oh, yeah, Center. Oh yeah, that's it, the it's Newark a venue, right? No, no, it's it's about it's down the Garden State Parkway, uh, about uh, it's maybe forty five minutes from mm-hmm. Newark or so. It's an outdoor, you know, shed place. Oh. and um, so I'm sitting second row, and they come out and. First of all, they opened with moving with with uh, with with Tom with, with Tom Sawyer, which they had never done before. That was like, <laughs> pfft, you yeah. Know. And then, and I, I just spent the first like that whole song just looking at Neil, like, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? What, here? what are you doing here? Like, how come you're still alive? Like, what, what? Like, I, I couldn't. And there he was, just looking like he always looked, just playing yeah. with that look on his face. You know, very serious playing. But it was very, it was, it was very strange at first. Yeah. But um, I, I love the set list for that tour. It was really I do too. Wonderful. I, love- I remember going through it. They, they, I think one of the second or third songs they played was "Distant Early Warning," and at that time, here we are in like this is May, uh, whatever it was. It was July two thousand two. Hadn't even been a year since September eleventh, and that song "Distant Early Warning" meant a lot to me as a kid. And, you know, I love that album so much because I, I grew up in like the Reagan era when it was like late cold war yeah. i th- seriously worried about nuclear war when i was growing up yeah. so to have them come out and play this song and suddenly now it's the same situation we got terrorism now and we're, we're worried about new york getting nuclear by at that time it really was a serious worry someone uh-huh. was sn- sneak a nuke into new york you know and so i was just thinking my god this song means just as much now as it did to me as it did when i was 15 you know the the fact that that was the best bass tone yeah. made that my favorite recording of that song yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. So they did only a few New, songs. I mean, New World Man yeah. coming they did up. New World Man, yeah, yeah. Right after Earthshine, maybe, yeah. right? Or something like It was like, maybe New World Man might have been the, the second tune that they did on it. I looked at the set list briefly like last week, and I can't remember it now. I have several boots from, from, that, from that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we hardly ever hear that tune anymore, and it yeah. sounded great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, classic example of Alex playing a, a telly. Yep. Is a, uh, leave that thing alone. I think awesome recording of the first exposure I had to leave that thing alone and driven. Mm-hmm. Um, driven, right. right yeah. A really, really nice recording of driven. We're talking about Rio now, not right, necessarily right, right. the tour, but uh, but it is that it is that 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 set list. Yeah, the Vapor Trails tour, right? Um, they did, and I, at the time, I, I again, I I know why they only did like whatever. They did one little victory, alternating ceiling unlimited and Ghost Rider. They did Secret Touch and Earthshine, and that was it. And, and since uh, then, we've had Ghost Rider and one little victory a bunch, Secret Touch a bunch. Yeah, I think Earthshine was on R thirty as well. Yeah, and and then, and then how, then it, how is. it is and on R forty uh, because they just. You know, it, to me, it raised the whole issue, which dates back to Power Windows, right? They overdub all the stuff on on a record, and they obviously felt comfortable enough to trigger synth sounds 
with MIDI on stage, whoever's going to trigger it, one of the three of them will trigger mm -hmm. it. But I think there's definitely a psychological block to triggering banks and banks of vocals or triggering banks and banks of, of guitars. Vocals particularly because it just does not sound that good. Getty does trigger vocals for lots of tunes now, and it never sounds that good because you can't get the mix exactly. It's never going to sound like... I don't know how they time it. Yeah, somehow they, they do time it and it's always time right, but it never sounds that great. Mm -hmm. You know, it always sounds like not like the original, you know, not like having two Gettys on stage. Or I, right. I, I've often <laughs> toyed with the idea of Getty having a backup vocalist. Like, yeah. why not, man? Like, <laughs> do it. I, I don't have an objection to that. There are probably right. fans who would think I'm fucking nuts now. But I mean, well, I mean, I, I'll say Alex is, well, Alex sounds nothing like Getty. Right. Uh, his backing singing has, I don't know if he's taken lessons or, or maybe just the. Is his mic even on? <laughs> in the past, I would say no. Like there, and <laughs> there are some, there for show, some live recordings where you're like, you can hear him and you're like, please, please stop. stop man. Please stop. But um, it could be the advancements in the technology with monitors. Yeah. You know, the monitor game is a very different game it's now. True. And it's yeah. a much better game. So I just think that, 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 the fact that they didn't do all these songs is it's probably better because they were really would have been very impossible like certainly vapor trail would have been impossible peaceful kingdom impossible they, they sort of knew but they, it is confounded that they didn't do how how it is on, on i on, couldn't on believe tour. it yeah, and when i was with it. chad at that show at msg and we're listening to one little victory and at that point i was starting to understand what we were in for in terms of yeah. the reverse chrono what's the word it, you know the songs being played uh, going backwards. And uh, he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you want to know what song I heard? when I, I, He saw him in Boston like, the <laughs> night before. He goes, you want to know what song I heard? I said, no. <laughs> I'm like, secret touch? He's like, how it is? And I did not believe him the uh, whole night. Yeah. I'm like, you're lying to me. Yeah. They would never play that song. Right. And that was definitely like one of their deep cut moments. And, and they could have done it on the original tour. I don't know why they, they didn't because mm. I really felt the lack of those songs. I love the record from the first, even though it had the audio problems. I really wanted to hear as many songs as possible. I couldn't complain about the set list because it, 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 they did do Cygnus after all on this yeah, album. I mean, and, and they brought great. back by tour on, oh, on this. Great. You know? So I couldn't complain about that. And they all sounded amazing. And, and so, you know what, when you, I didn't see either of these tours, but when you compare it to R30, I'm taking, I'm taking the vapor trails tour. Oh yeah, totally. The, the, the anniversary had a lot of, um, I guess we'll talk about this next oh, week. And, and they played b b Between Sun and Moon on this album. Which was unheard of. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it had ever been performed. On, on, on this tour. And I'll, and I'll say that song, that recording was not perfect. That, like, it was, there was something about it that felt a little clunky, but regardless, there are some very, I had to hear it. There are some very fine sounding boots from that tour where it sounds... Um, oh, so maybe yeah, not yeah. necessarily I, I, Rio. I, I can, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can get you a couple. In fact, I think, it's a, I think it's a bonus, like, lower quality thing on Rio. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, 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 the emotional impact of that tour was... There were several reasons. One, just that they were there to begin with, doing this heavy material as much as there was, and doing this very different set list than when they had left, had left off from 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 before. And then in the end, getting by tour or whatever. Mm. <laughs> it was a very heavy tour. La Via is oh, La Via has La Via, that's right, the classic, yeah. the rant, but uh, the rant, <laughs> which happened on every show I hear. But you know, but the intensity of the album translated to the stage and and the audience was just you know like they, they said when they when they first came out people were crying when they first came out. i would have been sobbing yeah <laughs> it was it was really an intense thing and uh, no other 
it was like no other show that I I I have seen them them do. They've done great shows before, great shows since, but the sort of the particular quality of the feeling of that show. It must have been early on in the tour. It was if you look on the I I, I did determine it was like maybe the tenth date or okay. so. It was within the first because they were in the three east weeks. It was in the east. Yeah. It I was, mean, I watched that Hartford the video of that Hartford show yeah. pretty often. I wish they released the whole what they should release more of it. They, they should. They should just make a nice. A nice polished version. Like, there might only be a few parts. I don't know where they what what, what the Getty's source. Getty's got was. like weirdly short hair and that, and that <laughs> you know like, he got his pre-tour yeah. haircut and they yeah, cut yeah. it a little a little lower or higher <laughs> than usual, which is just doesn't mean anything. It's just, uh, noteworthy that you know that that's the show you're seeing. He's got the short hair and that blue shirt on. Um, yeah, I think this album does, and they they've the fact that they went back and remixed this album says something about how they feel about about this about the thing is that they know it's a very they important they record. They deserved it, maybe, it, right? it like, Yeah, totally. I think that... Um, and uh, maybe... Maybe the fact that they haven't opened that door for Presto is... Or for Signals, for that matter. You think Signals I could I think use, Signals is, is sort of, as a parallel, as an album that just was not recorded quite right or the mix is off. Like, there's no, the guitars aren't loud enough. Now, I'll drums be the, seem kind of strange. That album, something about the mix of that record to me that never sounds. I'll be like the right. voice for every for a lot of people who are listening right now because I, I have listeners who insist that Signals was perfect. They think no, they no. think with the right set of headphones, like Signals was the best. Let me tell you, my first album. When I was twelve years old. I heard Moving Pictures. That was my first record. Along comes Signals, and more than anything, it was different. But really, what really bothered me was it did not sound as good. The drums do not sound as good. Mm -hmm. the, the overall quality somehow is muddy. Um, Alex at some point mentioned this in some interview. He thought the album just didn't really sparkle the way it should. And definitely, definitely the guitars need to be louder. I'd love to have that one remixed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, but we'll, they won't. We were they covering won't. those albums and we sort of determined maybe this is the synthiest record. You know, this, this has got synths all over it. This is, mm -hmm. I think... You know, imagine, can imagine get, what Vapor Trails would sound like, like if, if it was synths. You don't even want to know. Oh, I know. It, yeah, it could no. be so different. Yeah. I mean, I would love to I would love to have a third version of Vapor Trails <laughs> to enjoy, but it'd be cool to have a several versions of every album. Yeah. Um, well, this is great. This is a chunky, chunky episode on a chunky album. 13 tracks, and uh, we're... Is this the longest Rush album? I th uh, in terms of tracks... Studio, I mean... Uh, I'm wondering. Well, I, 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 have, I haven't checked time. to see. I'm I haven't not sure. Checked. I haven't checked to see, but I'm wondering. I don't think there's one that has more than 13, though. Yeah. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on, man. Sure, man. Do I'm, you have a Twitter account that you would like people to follow you? I at? only have one so I can read other other people's, but uh, or Facebook or anything you want to plug. Facebook, yeah, Matt, Matt Snyder. Uh, you sometimes I, I announce gigs that I have there on uh -huh. occasion. Um, uh, it's the guy who is an archivist and a musician. <laughs> so if you see, uh, the, my actual photo is me and my kid, but the, the, on my on my page on top, the um, cover photo. The, the cover photo is me playing with a, a band that I often play with. So cool. Um, this is this is a blast. I hope people are excited about. I think we're at two hours. Holy shit! Really? Oh yeah, we're goodness. at two hours. So that's and I like. <laughs> hey, we had, we didn't have a time limit today because we're not great. in the studio. So. Uh, you know, I think the album deserves two hours. Of if talk. you didn't, if you didn't like this record, just listen to it again, man, and you know, open your ears, open your ears, <laughs> dig it, dig it. All right, guys, we're gonna be back next week as you expect, and uh, I hope you stuck around for the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. We'll see you next week.